0: Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission.
1: Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching
2: iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLe <laughs> The
0: World
3: Hello everybody, it's just after 8 o'clock in the UK, that is now just after 3 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time in the States, hope you've m- remembered that we put our clocks forward at the weekend, otherwise oh, otherwise you'll have missed the first hour of the show, so you won't be able to hear this, it's Midweek Motorsport, it is Series 10, Episode 14, and I'm John Hindhoff, live from Hindhoff Towers, uh, alongside me is Nick Damon, happy birthday for last week Nick. Thank you John, thank you everyone
1: who wished me happy birthday as well.
3: Uh, He hasn't been on since well, not officially been on since his birthday. It was all a bit rushed last week. And up in London is our executive producer, Tim Gray. Good evening, Tim.
4: And I'm pre-recorded.
3: Yes, uh, Tim isn't actually around. Um, He he was around last week, but he just we said he was on assignment, but that was a lie. He just didn't want to come on. I was Uh, just muted. This week, (laughs) wasn't
1: he just recording this week's show? Yes,
3: he was recording this part. He was recording this this part of what we're hearing now so we've got to be careful that we fit what we're seeing exactly into the gaps that he's left for us, otherwise what will happen is he'll start talking with some complete non-secretary and you know, nobody... All the usual
4: features including a preview to the start of the MotoGP season and a start to the IndyCar season this weekend. See, there you go
1: when is the cheesecake Jack gag? Uh, <laughs>
3: go on, Tim. On a packed programme tonight. <laughs> he's answering one question behind all the time. Uh, <laughs> Four candles. Little, little, bit, little piece of uh, little piece of housekeeping uh, coming up. A number of people said. There will be their...
4: housekeeping tonight.
3: <laughs> this is going to get really annoying. But really we crazy. also
4: go on. Uh, Oh, having a little bit of a musical theme tonight. Are we? Yes. This sounds fantastic. Meatloaf. Yes. yes. Bette Midler. Yes. yes. Billy Taylor.
3: And surely Mr. Mr. as well.
4: No. I thought Bette Midler was enough for
3: that gag. Okay. Wind Beneath My Wings. Ah, right, okay, yeah. Take My Broken Wings. Meatloaf will be two out of three in Bud. No, it won't. Oh, will it not?
4: I'd do okay. anything for love, but I won't do that. Oh, really? Yeah, that's
3: an interesting story. We might be moving or scene to a whole new area. And what was the other one?
4: Uh, Billy... Billy Taylor.
3: Billy Taylor. I wish
4: Actually, I knew I how it feels to be free. Ah. In the second hour of the show.
3: Okay. Uh, all good stuff. Uh, and could, uh, we'll let the um, we'll let the bed dry down uh, a little bit. Can I have some apologies for abs- absence? Go on okay? then. My favourite one today, um, and I've got to go now. Go and find it because uh, we've had so much drop in to at Spectaculat and at uh, Radio Le Mans, uh, that it's gone so far down. It was about people in Indianapolis not being to listening at night because they're too busy um, patching together aero kits, which I really liked. But now I can't find it, so I apologise to whoever it was sent that in. Share. Adam has just made it back. Um, uh, from doing her taxes good thing her accountant is a racing fan and understood the importance of Wednesdays she said Uh, and uh, also uh, and also let me see where's that gone (laughs) oh it doesn't matter Uh, but it was very good yeah Uh, it's very good anyway let's uh, move on in the pack programme tonight all the usual features and Tim has a jingle
4: But first, some housekeeping. All right, Um, right, okay, sorry. (laughs) uh, Things I picked up on from last year's... uh, Last year? Last week's show. Mm -hmm. All right, okay, go on. Um, I think we need to clarify something regarding the German Grand Prix.
1: Mm -hmm. Go on. Uh,
4: Because although we didn't suggest that there wouldn't be another German Grand Prix ever, like some of the media, uh, Uh we, we didn't do our best to clarify the fact that it's only this year that it's not happening and there will be a German Grand Prix at Hockenheim next year in accordance with their contract
5: Mm.
3: They didn't want to take up um, the free um, sorry, the vacant opportunity because of course, dealing with DC, nothing is free. And that's where
4: Meatloaf comes in. Right Uh, Because Mercedes say oh but we offered to... uh, Uh, help them organise and uh, uh, promote the race. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it turns out that the I would do anything for the German Grand Prix but I won't do that uh, got as far as underwriting it.
1: Okay. Because They would underwrite it. They wouldn't underwrite it.
4: They wouldn't. Uh, So Hockenheim said no, we're not going to take the risk.
1: Okay, Seems fair enough. Um, of
3: course, had they known what was going to happen at the weekend, which we'll be talking about in a wee really while, they might have decided to change their mind about that. Mm. Anyway, uh, more housekeeping, or is that it?
4: Uh, well, while we're on the subject of Formula One race is not happening, I want to disagree with Nick.
1: Oh, right. Okay. Well, okay. Cool. I am here if you to disagree with it. It's one of my major roles in the show. You were talking
4: about uh, Monza not being able to host the Italian Grand Prix for various reasons, yes. uh, particularly the local council being less keen on it and the local residents uh, not like not liking uh, the noise or the pollution uh, or the threat to trees Mm -hmm. Based on the events at the weekend do we think Ferrari would uh, do anything they could to make sure that a Grand Prix happened somewhere else in Italy at one of the two FIA Grade 1T tracks perhaps
1: Well they won't go back to Imola because it's so, it, it has so many failings outside of the track itself. Which is the other Grade one team? Mugello. That's Mugello. No. no, I've been there. It's lovely. It's not F one. No, it's, uh, <laughs> it's
4: it's only financial that's stopping it from being F one.
1: No, 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 don't don't no, no. don't even think that because you. you there's they a, walk walk in there one road in and, and one road yeah, in. Yeah, and they're not silly. And also, have you been you to Monza, John? Yes, yes. <sighs> anyway, well, I don't know whether that's the same issue,
3: Tim. You're just swapping one set of of uh, but nobody cares that you have that
4: issue at Monza apart from the local authorities. I quote
1: to you from the news today: Even Capelli, Ivan Capelli, sorry, the new chief of the Italian Grand Prix, Is has it? vowed to save the embattled Formula One race at historic Monza.
6: Right,
1: Bernie has said that it was a bye-bye after 2016. And local political developments are further endangered by the Italian Grand Prix after withdrawal of key tax concessions. Yeah, and he's having a meeting. At Monaco to plead his case. The so problem is. I think
4: having a meeting at Fiorano to say, give us some more money uh, would be a much better idea.
1: But if the Germans won't pay for the German Grand Prix, what makes you think Ferrari go pay for an Italian Grand Prix?
4: Correct.
1: Ferrari's biggest I marketplace is not Italy.
4: No, but I think. Uh, it's very they important win. to Ferrari.
1: Ha- well, you say that, and I understand what you're saying. I just think that that Ferrari is a global organisation, and they are the people who everyone supports outside of Europe. In Europe, we have our own country teams from our own countries to support. And I don't. And whilst they might find it politically awkward, they can just turn around and go, "Well, the government that's done it, fifteen million quid, and fear cries the group. Why should they bother?"
3: I I, I think this is an interesting. Uh, it's just it's the the drift, isn't it, of all sports away from Europe. Uh, and moving further east doesn't matter whether it's football, cricket, or in this case motorsport. Everything's drifting further eastwards. The, the European influence is being diluted, despite the fact that the um, in the case of motorsport, I presume it's still. I, I'll stand to be corrected by this. Tim might already know. I presume that the audience, television-wise, is still mostly...
1: In terms of Formula One or
4: motorsport in general?
1: Formula One. It's only 15 or 16 years ago. when We only had four flyaways. Mm -hmm. I know I saw that graphic the other day.
3: It was quite remarkable, wasn't it? That was was a dip, wasn't
4: it? Because previously we'd... Gone to the USA twice, and Canada, and Australia, and South Africa, all the way
1: through the and 90s. Brazil,
4: and sometimes prior Argentina. To,
1: prior to Malaysia coming in, both for the nineties, we did drop one, yeah. But we, so you have the average. You had you always had Brazil, you always had Japan, you always had Australia, mm-hmm. um, and then you picked up Argentina every now and again. You picked up uh, Malaysia p- went, went through, and then we an had India, as uh, well Canada. So there is four: Canada, uh, Brazil. Japan and Australia and that was it and then they added the odd one Argentina came and went Malaysia picked up and went and then it grew from there but there's a long period in the 90s where there were four races and very occasionally five where you got on a plane I, I just, uh, across continent I just uh, which, connect, yeah. which I think is wrong the other way no, too in much. a global sport but it's gone far too far the other way now well but there's
3: too many Grand Prix
1: yeah don't argue that. that the,
3: the, right. the, the there should be the 17 addition. Grand
1: Prix, in my opinion. Here we go. 17 Grand Prix, 8 or 9 in Europe, 8 or 9 abroad. Mm. I know it's not abroad. I'm sorry, I'm using colloquial terms, but you know what I mean.
3: Yeah. Further afield. Yep. Yeah.
1: Alright. Uh, nine,
4: anyway. 9 in the colonies.
1: Well, no, because they can be in places that weren't part of the British Empire. Uh, yeah, but yeah. they shouldn't be. <laughs> Uh, hello Does to.
3: because we haven't conquered Japan somehow.
4: No, not Brazil.
3: <laughs> yeah. uh, rotation says Motorsport moving east. Does this mean that the next British Grand Prix will be at Snetterton? There's nothing to blow down there, that's in fairness, so good <laughs> to. There's a scary uh, tree. <laughs> uh, apologies uh, for absence, teammate. Stuffing hill climb car at the weekend means I have to repair it, says Mark, who's at Ruptured Duck. You don't have uh, to,
4: unless you want to use it again. Well, that's
3: true. Mm. Yeah, uh, live, says uh, John, uh, for the first time in ages. I did notice somebody had said they were at the in-laws. Ah, yes, Chris, spending the Easter weekend at the in-laws, so stockpiling podcast, my apologies. OK, thank you very much. Uh, keep those coming to you at Specutainment at Radio Le shall we? Uh, uh, shall we have the news jingle, then, and find out what Tim's top story is this week? No. Okay, okay.
4: Uh, Because you also mentioned last week. Oh, God. (laughs) uh, The FFSA's uh, having a look at uh, having a French Grand Prix that you said we've not heard any more on that.
3: Have they said something since then?
4: Well, not since you said that last week, but you had previously missed uh, their conclusion that uh, it would be uh, difficult to bring back a French Grand Prix due to the ban on alcohol advertising and sponsorship in France. Mm-hmm. when so many Formula 1 teams have alcohol sponsorship
3: right how many Formula 1 teams have alcohol also? McLaren do they still have Johnny McLaren Walker McLaren have
4: Johnny Walker
3: yep. Williams have Martini Williams
4: have Martini
3: yeah but but Martini make other things other than alcohol so they that would be fine because they have a clothing brand so that would be fine they wouldn't have to lose that next
4: keep going Nick
1: uh, Force India got no, no end of uh, alcohol advertising that's right they've got
4: Smirnoff and, uh, uh, Kingfisher Joby, uh, Kingfisher
1: and Kingfisher they're basically just a booze yeah, well, advertising Kingfisher make wallpaper and uh, um, it, that's Red a different Kingfisher Re- actually Red Bull's not banned in France not, it any more, just it not anymore it not have Taurine in it. Um, where are we going now Ferrari, Ferrari don't have any booze they've got everything else No so. any sponsors they don't need it because they sell the whole thing to Philip Morris mm. uh,
4: what other teams are there
1: still well Sauber have nothing Manor have nothing Lotus Lotus? don't have anything. Lotus don't have booze, I don't think.
3: Mm. I'm not sure that that's valid, but okay. Sorry, I did miss that. Okay, now can we move on? Because we've got a lot to fit into. We certainly
4: can.
1: uh,
4: Because I know how much you like to keep the show pacey. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) I'll play jingle. That's right. And now, from Norwich, it's the pointless press release of the week.
4: An interesting fusion.
0: Uh, That that
3: is like fusion kookery, isn't it? It sort of hits you when you're least expecting it. Have you ever tried Comex? I I, I don't even want to know. It's a
4: fusion of Korean and Mexican. It is the Mm. worst concept I've ever heard of.
1: Is it just a dog and a taco? (laughs)
4: Moving on I uh, got a press release this morning mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. From Norwich, one, one. It, From was Norwich? An a- it was an April Fool one But I thought it was um, uh, Worth doing mm-hmm. Snettison's famous scary tree Is to be given the freedom of the city of Norwich <laughs> In recognition really? of its status As a major landmark at the Norfolk circuit Helping to bring tourism into the region The Honorary Freedom of the City of Norwich is a title awarded by the local council. Recent recipients have included Sir Robert and Lady Sainsbury. Mm
3: -hmm. Uh,
4: This is the first time the award has been given to a non-human living organism. Mm. A special ceremony will take place at the circuit later this year with a commemorative plaque containing the key to the City of Norwich to be placed at the foot of the tree. The scary tree declined to comment.
3: That's very
1: funny. Ah, that's the second second best second best motorsport one so far this week what was the best one did you think the best one after the real news yesterday that Paul Hollywood of the great British Bake Off is going to take part in the British GT Championship um, not no, news in the bit car then that someone had a fake was saying Mary Berry the 80 year old uh, presenter was going, take, was going to take part in GT3 race at, at um, GT British GT with a lot of very good puns on baking as well so search out that press release in British GT Championship very good very good, like it, like it a lot.
3: Was there a reference to a soggy bottom?
1: There was, all sorts of things, it was very well done.
3: Really? Do you think they were taking the rise out of us? I think so.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could was it been...
3: sprinkled with puns?
1: It could have been an attempt to raise money because they need the dough of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, We've we stopped now. <laughs>
3: good.
4: Uh, there was a Formula 1 race at the weekend. There was! It had uh, more cars in it than the previous one. It did! By one? No.
1: No, by three, four, oh, yeah, sorry. Oh, yes, by by sorry yes, nineteen started. Yes, nineteen, yes.
4: By, by, right. by, by four. Um, and uh, Roberto Mary of Manor. Mm. Came last. Is, uh, he
3: finished a Grand Prix, though.
4: Mm. Came last, but he last did runner. finish his first Grand Prix. He and did. he is higher in the uh, Drivers' Championship than both Pastor Maldonado and Fernando Alonso.
1: Well, excellent, Tim. So he's, well the, done uh, him. he's doing very well. Tot Spaniard, is he? Or no, that's uh, Carlos Sainz Jr., isn't it? Very yes. well done to him. Yeah, it was, a, it was a great race because, as we all knew, this year is completely boring. And uh, because of that, um, there's no point watching it because every single race was a complete procession and Mercedes were going to run away and win it all. And that's what happened. Um, so that's fine. Oh, hang on. No, it's not. No. Um, because... Uh, uh, yeah, I mean I, I don't know why I thought it was a very very interesting race I don't think it signals the end of Mercedes dominations or a massive resurgence beyond what we've already seen from Ferrari they had some things fall into line they're a bit lighter on their loafers and the 61 degree track temperature we won't see anywhere else this year so that played their part uh, Mercedes showed a complete rustiness when it comes to any sort of strategic planning and got it completely wrong about four different occasions. That was remarkable, wasn't it?
3: Well, I mean... Do you think that that they dominated so much uh, last season that when they actually got to a race where there was other people who had even moderately similar pace to them, although clearly they should have still beaten um, the Ferrari, they just went... Yeah, is it not in their interest to let someone else
1: win oh, on this occasion? Uh, my, yes, my conclusion is, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll come to the conclusion, mm. of the whole thing, in a second. Mm. But the fact is, absolutely, they completely dropped the ball. They got they, they, and they also they were still saying, "Oh, we'll catch them up, no problem at all." At X seconds a lap, which obviously wasn't in the car. They um, just well, not
3: on those They were
1: just not used to it. They're not used to competing. They got all confused. Don't and talk to me when I'm going round the corners. Fair enough. I had no problem with I had no problem with Lewis being asked. Am him I him. coming he in? Am I not finished. coming in? No problem in him being uh, aggy with them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. No problem at all. I mean, they weren't giving the information he needed. He was just asking information. So you need to ask in a very direct, clear way to get it over a radio communication. Um, so that was What's fine. What's Paddy talking about? He's talking about putting something in the oven. What? <laughs> what? What? Yes, yeah, so was what, what's Mary Berry doing there? Yeah. <laughs> but um, it was good. I mean, Fettel did really well. Really well. Yeah, I've, I've never been his greatest fan, but he absolutely took advantage, really? of, the advantage uh, of the of the opportunity and did a great job. But basically, um, all they did was, was chance their arm, didn't they? Well, yeah, well, basically, when they came out after, when Hamilton finally got past the traffic after the unscheduled stop after the safety car, he was 9.8 seconds behind. At the end of the race, or the penultimate lap before the slight centre, he was 9.8 seconds behind. So, the rest of the race, they ran the same speed, doing different things, but it was the same. Um, they mismanaged the tactics, they mismanaged the tyres yep. throughout
3: the whole weekend yep. because they didn't have a decent set of mediums to give Lewis at the end, which would have been the better rubber. Note that Nico closed down on Lewis at the, at the end, end yep. while Lewis was closing, but not enough, on uh, Vettel. Yep. Um, I, I, it was...
1: It's one Very of those Mercedes of, If we'd been right in the middle Of a really intense championship Then it'd be a, yeah, Almost a fatal flaw But as it is It's done them A massive favour But if Ferrari that, have done them The biggest favour They could do them The big winners Out of this whole weekend Are Mercedes and the big losers that, uh, Well Red
3: Bull
1: obviously Red Bull. But McLaren. But the, no, no 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 Red, Red but, Bull But Mercedes have, have, have had their it's all so easy. So their wins will start to count for something now mm-hmm. when they beat Ferrari. They've had a wake-up call, and they now need to go back to strategy school. Mm-hmm. That's great. And everyone stopped saying F1's a procession. But they'd already,
3: But already, Christian Horner had said, oh, we don't need a big overhaul.
1: He'd said that before the race. No, he'd, but he'd backed right down, because he mm. realised he made a PR faux pas. Mm. But the fact and he realised that
4: this weekend he'd have had to say, oh, you need to pull back the uh, power on that Ferrari engine, and also that Renault engine in the... Uh, area to a Rosso car that's far
1: yeah, too powerful yeah two Rosso cars which both easily passed the two red Bull cars mm. Mm. I, kind um, of I felt thought
3: Williams were, were a bit disappointing as well
1: well they're just trying to be around third aren't they the third fastest they're car still not trying anything different well they came they came fifth and it's not frustrating fifth? well they're the third best team with uh, a lot less money on the Midweek sport listeners
3: collective the on the forum at radiolemon.com, uh, talking about the French Grand Prix, uh, Jet says, hmm, no French Grand Prix for booze advertising because the Middle East allows it, of course. Fair point, well made. It nice does. He, they, and they, they'd
1: still allow the champagne.
3: Rosewater.
4: That's yeah, but France allow to have champagne, as yes, demonstrated of you are. at uh, Nagaro and uh, other French circuits I've seen races at recently.
1: But yeah, I think I think the, just to sum up the Mr. Grand Prix, I thought it was. Very, I really enjoyed all of it. It only got a bit dull the last six, seven laps. But then anyway, I suppose if you're a, a Ferrari fan, it wasn't dull. It was very exciting. It was tactically very interesting. It was good to see somebody else win. It was very, very amusing. And I do like Danny Rick, but it was very, very amusing to see um, Toro Rosso completely wipe the floor with uh, Red Bull. And everyone else trundled around and, and there was a lot of in, good infighting in the race as well a lot of action and overtaking and, and leaning on corners and knocking people off with Sergio Perez um, yes
3: interesting use of the safety car early on that was thought. silly But when, we, uh, well no they're just being overly cautious I can understand
1: I mean that. effectively as soon as they knew there was going to be a snatch tractor they said well geez, you the we're not well, we're, well no that's fine but that's fine because they would have been criticised yeah the I, know, of the I know and in fairness it wasn't the safety tractor that spoiled Mercedes race it was Mercedes being dumb um, I'm never, ever, ever
3: going to complain about British coverage of uh, Formula One ever again.
1: You watched French coverage, did you? Uh,
3: Canal Plus Sport. I watched uh, th- two of the free practice sessions and the qualifying on mm-hmm. Canal Plus Sport. I'll get you ready. And, very good then. And the whole of the race. Mm-hmm. Being a French F1 commentator is the easiest job in the world. Why? Well, there were several times, including during the race, where for eight minutes they said nothing at all. What? Uh, the premier position, uh, Vettel. This is uh, say,
4: Frank Montagne who does this, isn't it? He was,
3: in, he was Don's Le stands. Ah, Don, right. Don's
4: understand right.
3: Yeah, he was Don Le Um And uh, he was trying his best. He he was only there, in fairness, during the free practice so sessions he's in, in qualifying. in the pit lane, was he? In, in free practice and qualifying. I, he might he ever, I think he couldn't go on the track because he couldn't get past the white line, could he? Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. It's not funny. Uh, I think it's very uh, good that... Have supported him um, and uh, and helping him with his rehabilitation, uh, and he did of course get a two-year ban at the weekend. That, no, I know, I know. Out. But yeah. um, the uh, it seems that mostly French TV commentators tend to say the car, the position, and the nationality of the driver, that's and it. that's about it. There's so, not there's not much
1: there's no colour to the colour. They 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 Ferrari, the premier plus, La mm.
3: yeah, well, that's uh, just <laughs> yeah, we Should try that. It was, it was, it was eye-opening. <laughs> Boring. It was eye-opening, <laughs> and what it does show. Of I course, listened to a
4: very similar uh, football commentary to that last night, but in Dutch. Mm.
3: What it does show, and it's not a language thing. It is absolutely Robin. not a language thing, because. If they had been, particularly through the free practices, one of the things I like about watching the free practice sessions is, whether it's on the BBC or Sky here in the UK, and I know that quite a few of you get one or other of those around the world, um, that you get quite a lot of insight in those hour and a half sessions.
1: Nothing! Not a thing! No, the prices are great because they're basically a bit of a chat, aren't they? With, yes. uh, with um, no, Let's look at this team. Now we'll talk about this team. Mm-hmm. Let's look at this team. Uh, it's great. No, they do some, do some good stuff. It's weird, isn't it? I wonder why that is. Is Is it? Is it a uniquely French I don't listen to French comedy. or anything. Obviously, let's speak French. No ads? No ads, Is it a, unique, no ads, of is it a uniquely French way of, of covering stuff? I don't know. Mm.
3: Uh, literally, literally, no, no ad breaks, so it's all the way through. So that was cool. But, like, just. They still took
1: breaks as if they sort of <laughs> nipped out the back of Maybe the... the
4: commentators thought that there were commercial breaks.
1: Just unbelievable. It's a good point actually. I could be thinking... "Okay, we're going for seven minutes now. Be, be quiet, no talking. Stop talking, stop talking." Interestingly, as well, they are very
3: reticent to talk over any on board at all, even if there was something to say. All oh, right, and was Vettel... the on board coming on in English? No, no, I mean on board pictures, not just the sound. Oh, okay. Not just the pit sound. Um, the pit sound they talked all over. Uh, they didn't k- really care about whether the pits. They were probably doing on.
4: simultaneous translation, weren't
3: they? Uh, no, no, not at all. Um, but very interestingly, even in the early sessions, when Vettel was clearly struggling with understeer on the car, and you could see that, and you could, there was interesting stuff going on from the onboards, even when they had the overlay of the tyre temperatures. Nothing, not talking, nothing, nothing, nothing at all. really interesting but it's it's on because it's not was it a bit early for me in the morning it was
4: now later (laughs) than it was here
3: yeah exactly Um, it was just a massive contrast a massive contrast from English language commentary that I've seen around the world whether it's in the US um, here in the UK on two different broadcasters and I I just I wonder if it's a peculiar I I had a chat with Matt Fernandez actually on um, Saturday at uh, Recard Matt was down helping out with uh, DSC as was uh, Nick Holland and some very interesting blogs by the way from those two gentlemen and thank you for your help with the weekend gents um, and, and he said it's oh, it's been like that for some time of course Canal Plu Sport is not it is a pay channel it's like Sky Sport yeah. so it's not a national channel and it, they're just a bit more laid back I think they did have a studio show though Tim even Ooh. for the in, including for, for the practice. IndyCar even for practice and for the IndyCar, so I, I watched more, or at least as much, possibly more.
1: More. And sport were they animated the in the
3: studio? Yes, very, oh, very, okay. very, very, and, and very opinionated.
1: iPad type thing?
3: No, screen? none of that. Just okay. sitting around talking heads. Okay. Um, Do
4: they have a
0: desk, or were they D- on
3: sofas or? No, no, just David Byrne sitting in the middle, and they were all around him. Um, the <laughs> Joke there. Um eighties pop music it, reference, yes, absolutely, <laughs>
4: and seventies as
3: well. Yes,
1: can't feel we're on the road to nowhere. With this one,
3: yes. <laughs> anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in uh, for those of you. It's coming no, on. I lo-
1: I, must, I, lo- I love hearing about how it's printed elsewhere.
3: Moving I like on, like seeing
1: it as well. Sorry, we're moving.
3: Uh, on. What's your, your, sorry? Your conclusion from the race, then Nick, was
1: it was good for it was Mercedes. very good for Formula One. It was very good for Ferrari. It was very good for Mercedes. Mm-hmm. It was very good to shut everyone up. And we go on to China, and it has to the championship at all. Then. Where Mercedes if really they're reliable, will be first and second by, I'm going to have a sweep of 25 seconds to 40 seconds. Yeah, I don't think they'll want to be a full lap. God, goodness gracious, no, can't make it look too easy now. Okay. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport.
3: It is series 10, episode 14. It is the 1st of April, so of course, this whole show is an April fool. But you knew that anyway.
4: <laughs> Only for people west of California, where oh, it's still before going. midday. Yes, but Moving on, uh, which is the naughtier of Sergio Perez and Nico Hulkenberg? Uh,
1: well, apparently it was. Um, they were equally naughty, weren't they?
4: Yes. Do you which agree with that?
1: No, because Nico Hulkenberg did nothing wrong. Yes. Sergio Perez absolutely squeezed him off, and, she, and he deserved everything he got for that, because he knew what he was doing. And he squeezed him off, and he took a gamble that he'd get away with it basically and he didn't get away with it no Uh, and then Hulkenberg Hulkenberg
4: was probably tarred with the same brush really
1: I I didn't really see what Hulkenberg did wrong he was kind of on his line the car came across him one of those things going well yeah if he actually anchored up which is not what a racing driver does he might have avoided it
4: Hmm. Yeah, I'm still not convinced he would have avoided him
1: hmm. Okay, Uh, any more on Formula 1 it's great Uh, everyone loves it again now it's fantastic
4: Uh, obviously both the Ferrari team's uh, have uh, protested that uh, it was nothing, not their fault, and there was nothing they could do. Uh, so, uh, any other Formula One news, Nick?
1: No, nope, I think it's. Uh, I'm looking forward to trying now and see how it get, after the procession from Mercedes everyone goes. It's dead again.
3: It is going to be one of those seasons, isn't it?
1: Oh yeah.
3: Where it just bounces and bounces and bounces backwards and forwards. Am I allowed to do some GP2 news?
1: Is there any?
4: There's, really? there's a Nick kind Yellily of GP2 story.
1: Go on, then. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> How keen are we all about
4: Nick Yellerly. Ah,
1: there I you go. That. Mm-hmm. He's testing one. He
4: is testing uh, for Hilmer Motorsport.
3: Well, he's free now, isn't he? Because uh, he's not doing Jota. That's
6: isn't he right. not doing
3: Jota because he did the money? Apparently. But I would have thought Jota cheaper than GP2. Well, maybe he's been paid to be in GP2. Ow. I was going to pay him to be a GP too. We will have his replacement on on the show later on.
4: Yes. Uh, He said, it's a great opportunity and I really can't wait to jump in the car.
1: Oh, well. Hmm. Rather than jumping out of the car, you mean?
4: Which you also have to do.
3: (laughs) No changing drivers in single-seaters, though. No, that would be completely pointless. Yeah, no, no point in attempting it. No point in even attempting it. Right, it is now half past here. Let's uh, let's move on from single seat stuff. Yes, and
4: uh, we'll move on to sports cars, shall we?
3: Right, are you getting Graham? Up?
4: I'm trying.
3: Ah, excellent. Uh, uh, we'll get we Graham. do have a,
4: a little
3: uh, issue
4: with uh, that, but uh, well, right, shall I, we? I should now be able to uh, say hello to Graham Goodwin. You weren't sure, though, were you? I'm still not 100% convinced. I think the internet's broken. I think he might be there, though. Hello, Graham? No. Hello, Graham. We're not hearing. You're not hearing him. I'm right. not hearing him. Well, I'm stop sure trying. I'm sure he's there, though. Tim? Yeah? Uh,
3: we... Uh, I can hear him the background? over there. Right, Graham, good evening. Hopefully, you can hear us. Graham Goodwin, editor, of Daily Car, uh dot com. Uh, we'll get to Graham in just a moment. But following on from the story that Tim's just mentioned, and almost making it sound like we may have planned this earlier, <laughs> um, Nick Yellowly, as we reported last week, and Graham gave us the background, uh, not with Jota for the season. The replacement uh, is the man who was with Jota last year that being uh, of course Harry Tinknell now earlier on today we caught up with Harry he's actually out in the US testing with Nissan at the moment but we dragged him away from that to have a chat with us and uh, my first question to him was how he felt of course about getting back with the team with which he's had so much success in the past Appears well, that uh, we can't bring you that uh, interview at the moment. So let's <laughs> see if we can uh, go back to Graham Goodwin, who is on the line with us at the moment. We'll get Harry back in a moment. It was on. Uh, it was was recorded. So we'll try and get that at the at the moment. Uh, in a moment, uh, Graham Goodwin.
5: I've never heard Harry tingle that quiet.
4: No. Graham. Uh,
5: yes, hello, Tim. Can you hear me?
4: I can hear you. Now we can hear you. Hello, oh, mate. How are you right. doing?
5: Oh, dear me, everybody's gone quiet. Harry Tink, quiet. That's not like him.
3: Um, have you recovered after the week away that you had?
5: Uh, yeah, came back with a stinking cold. Much better now, thank you very much, John. But uh, I have to say, as Dave Lord and I drove away from poor Ricard, I think it's the longest I've ever spent at a racetrack <laughs> uh, I think it was something like six days seven Sorry, seven or eight days there and it did feel a little bit like a prison sentence by the end of it but uh, good fun while it was there lots to learn and some uh, some good opportunities to, to learn about what's going to be going on for the season in the European Le Mans series the blanc Endurance series and latterly of course the FIWC and um, I think we've got a hell of a uh, season ahead of us uh, The of course the whole of the
3: weekend in fact the whole week was rather tainted by the terrible news coming from the Nürburgring on Saturday ironically we just tuned in in the press room towards the end of the first hour to the stream and to ring radio uh, to find out what eight minutes later that the, the race had been stopped now of course we know uh, although we were sort of trying to keep up with things then that uh, that the Yamar and Nissan had had uh, a big accident had left the circuit and, and sadly a spectator lost their lives we of course offer our condolences uh, to friends and family of those concerned the slightly better news is that some of the injured have been released from hospital Jan uh, was shocked as you might imagine but uh, but not uh, in any way seriously injured, the situation is um, the, the situation is that the, the car has been impounded by the police for investigations. That's a standard operational practice. It is actually uh, still classed as a public road, the Nordschleifer, despite the fact that it's a, a toll road. Um, there's there's been some developments since then, Graeme that, that could well affect racing uh, at the Nordschleifer in 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 quite a significant manner.
5: Well, in in shorthand, John, you're absolutely right uh, with all of that, and uh, and obviously our best wishes and condolences to um, to the family of. The bereaved, and and, and in particular, best wishes as well to Yan. Nobody wants to see anybody involved in that. But yes, the the immediate aftermath has seen a temporary ban placed on effectively all of the GT cars, not just GT3, but uh, all the SP classes. That uh, includes the Porsche Cup cars, it includes the GT4 cars. Um, So for the time being, while everybody kind of takes a breath and takes a look at some of the factors around this incident, there is a temporary pause. Where does that leave us with uh, racing on the Nordschleife? The straight answer is we don't yet know. There is a, we're promised some kind of roundtable briefing next week where they'll try to make things clear uh, in the position we're at there. We've obviously got the long Easter weekend between now and then uh, as to what the plans are to prepare for the Nürburgring 24 hours. But as we stand, there is a pause and a temporary ban placed by the DMSB, the German Motorsport Authority, um, on GT cars around the Nordschleife, have to say, can't disagree with that. In the aftermath of that incident, it is absolutely not, um, you know, a, a, a kind of a pointer uh, to to suggest that one factor or another was at fault here. It's doing what you need to do in these circumstances, which is to take a good, hard look at all the factors and see whether or not you need to make some changes. Um, tragic, awful. Um, Particularly awful for anybody, I think, who was there at the track. We've been there, all of us I know, guys, and I thought uh, those nearest to us behaved impeccably throughout. Sadly, some of the other media didn't. Um, And, you know, we'll just have to wait and see what comes out of this one, I'm afraid. Uh, Just
3: as a point of clarity, the classes that they are talking about, which, from memory, and if I get this wrong, I'm sorry, but it's sp six seven eight nine. Um, in invitational and SPX, it wasn't, wasn't it? Not is that quite. Right?
5: it's, it's SP seven through ten, SPX, okay. which includes the Glickenhaus and SP Pro, are right. the cars. But, in effect, but that's
3: effectively that's GT four upwards, isn't it? it?
5: It effectively is that GT four and Porsche Cup cars upwards. In effect, what it would leave in terms of if, Porsche if, Cup if, cars as well, Graham. Yes, indeed. Uh, in in if it, in terms of the uh, what that leaves you with from the grid that listeners will recognise is you would be expecting that something like an Audi TTRS would be about the quickest thing out there
3: at the moment. Right, okay. Um, and have we got any indication at all about when this will be looked at? Uh, the reason I ask that is that without a decision about whether that's going to stand, the next VLN race is not that far away. Nope. There is a regulation about how many races people have to do before they can race in the 24 hours. Correct. And I can't see that being waived. So, if no decision is made, Graham, we could be left with effectively a fait accompli, even if some of the more exotic GT cars were relicensed, because that is the term that, that the uh, German motorsport authorities use for racing round there they could be left with no drivers Um, and even if that doesn't happen we are running out of time for people to make
5: plans for the 24 hour race which is only in May of course Correct, it uh, was six weeks or so after the the incident Um, certainly you're looking at uh, let's presume for the moment that a solution is found you're right John, it's not just the six weeks uh, with the clock ticking from last week it's the, uh, the, the the countdown to the, the, the race prior to the 24 hours, which means that from memory, it is cars, teams and drivers mm-hmm. that would have to pre-qualify for it by running two VLM races. So um, I think either way, we're likely to see some pretty major changes to an entry list. Um, you know, what we'd like to see here, well, we'd like to see have- a solution, of course, that is going to be... Uh, going to mean that we do get uh, do get this race, but you clearly can't do that if there's a perception of a risk to uh, the public. You can't. No, no. Uh,
3: I I absolutely agree with that, and there's clearly questions to be asked about why spectators were in an area that should have been left clear, um, which is where the, the the car landed. That's part going to has to be part of the questions that are asked as well. But on a sporting note, and um, and I'd, 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 this sounds like I'm being terribly callous about what happened and I'm, and I'm not but asking a bo- broader question, Graham without the factory teams, their support and their particularly financial support then the Nürburgring 24 itself in terms of a spectacle is under, uh, under threat but in terms of a race with the sharp end of the field being pretty much all works supported and an awful lot of activation euros being spelt, spent by those manufacturers, there is a financial imperative for uh, the ADAC, for the Nürburgring and the German uh, Motorsport Council to make their decision and to make it quickly because procrastination here is, is no friend to anyone.
5: I think you're going to see a fairly clear indication as to what the plan will be on Tuesday in Tuesday next week with this roundtable, which will involve uh, the DMSB, it will involve the track management, it will involve, I gather, most if not all of the manufacturers concerned, mm. um, and I think they're going to be keen to make sure that, uh, that the plan is at least clear um, as, to, as to the way they, they want to progress. You know, it's just, you know what, it's the timing. It's it's There's nothing about this that is, you know, on one end of the scale, utterly tragic, on the other end, uh, unfortunate. But there is a, a clear imperative here, John, and I know you recognise this as uh, more, more than most, which is they've got to get this right. Mm-hmm. Um, because if they get this wrong, and we get another incident, frankly, we're talking about something rather more than GT3 cars not being allowed to race. Oh,
3: absolutely. And we've talked in the past about how the FIA and the ACO worked together with the local council at Le Mans after Alan Simonson's uh, accident and his death. The advantage that they had um, after that tragedy, Graham, was they had a full year before the cars came back. That's not a luxury that is here. And a knee-jerk reaction that is too severe... Or one that is not appropriate and is uh, leads to another incident, then either of those are, are you know, either one of those is is, is bad, you know, for the sport um, going forward.
5: Uh, yeah, I think. Um, how can I put this? Being being utterly blunt. I'm quite prepared to sacrifice a race or two to get this right, mm. because the the, um, the the clear imperative is safety. Beyond that, look, is there anyone amongst us that doesn't want to see racing on the for as we've currently got it continue? And if you're going to actually have the, the opportunity to do that, this has to be correct. If that takes longer than May, then you know I'm here to tell you I think that's a price worth paying. And you know if we if, if something has gone wrong here with whatever factor involved here or almost inevitably combination of factors is concerned, then they need to get it right. They need to change whatever needs to be changed and get that right. And if that does mean that we've got a slightly um, lower level of competition for a race or two, whether or not that includes the 24 hours this year, then I think most people, once they take a deep breath, would agree that's probably right. I think a number of people as well, John, um, uh, would have seen on Midweek Motorsport Listeners Collective, on DSC, something I posted last night, which talked yes. about... How do you grab control back in these kind of situations? Uh, As always, I'm afraid there's a massive feeding frenzy of comment around this and pictures and videos and God knows what else um, is uh, doing the rounds. And I think we're at a point where I think motorsport needs to take a breath, needs to take a a look at actually the way it deals with these matters, and needs to take a big decision. And the big decision I think they need to take is that I think we need a line in the sand Beyond that line in the sand, in terms of the seriousness of any incidents, there needs to be a proper process and a proper uh, inquiry, and those results need to be published. Yeah. Uh, because if not, I'm afraid we're in the day and age now. And I'm sitting there now with my Twitter feed, uh, you know, buzzing away and talking about what we're talking about here on Midweek Motorsport. Of course, with you know the, uh, the with modern life and the access to citizen journalism, etc., you know, whenever you've got something else kicking around like this like the german wings disaster where you know i see on the news tonight that apparently there's some phone video of that that the authorities are trying to get hold of mm-hmm. whenever you've got that you know what what needs to come into the mix is trust trust in your ability and your willingness to be open about what the solutions are the the sport needs to do that it needs to commit to that now because you know what it isn't a pleasant thing to have to react to these kind of incidents. No. The best thing you can do in those circumstances, as you well know, John, because you've been part of a response to more than one fatal accident mm, in, in mental sports, the best thing you can do is to make sure that people are reassured that when you open your mouth, when you as a sport, as a governing body, decide to say something, it's going to be the truth, and it's going to give the opportunity to learn lessons going forward. Um, hello to Michael Lyons to
3: Uh, Alexander Orkin and uh, also to T-Falker 55 um, who points out and I I had seen this and I did forget the SP-10 ban has been lifted today oh
5: wow Okay, fine Um,
3: so that's that's moving on and I have to say having driven a GT4 car around the Nordschleifer um, you know (laughs) Honestly, a skateboard around the Nordschleife is pretty scary places, but a GT4 car is a significantly different beast. Uh, Production-based GT4 cars, so SP10 uh, apparently have again been permitted. So uh, that is something that's uh, coming on. A a lot of people saying, Graham, what do we know, if anything? And uh, this includes uh, Christy Mathias saying, um, what do we know about how the... VLN season and how Nissan's racing plans might be affected Um, for example both of the GTRs are added in Blancpain um, which is coming up shortly, what do we know
5: about first of all the rest of the the season for Nissan? Uh, The answer is we don't just at the moment so I think we're going to see the odd little bit of reshuffle um, in terms of just shuffling around for one thing, you know for the moment as it's very clear they've lost a car uh, quite apart from anything else uh, so I think the answer is there's inevitably going to be change. I think we're just in that period, John, of just a few days after this incident where people are just taking time to, you know, to understand what processes are taking away. There's inevitably... You know, we, we know there's a police investigation. There is inevitably... and We know also there's an investigation by uh, the DMSB, the governing body, which is the basis on which we've had the temporary ban actually placed. Um, so I think they're just looking into and getting the information around... What is the scope and scale of those uh, those investigations, and and what you know what that might mean for anybody directly involved? I think you know it's just one of those ones where I think we can all afford to take a step away and be be patient for a day or two. Sensible people are trying to make sensible decisions about serious things, and um, you know for once I think it's a good thing that perhaps we don't get into the conspiracy theory, we don't get into. Uh, all of that—that's you know—the internet is absolutely brilliant at—and uh, just let you know as we, as we do, if you like, on the performance side in motorsport, we let the clever people do what they're good at. In this instance, nobody's looking to hide anything. Everybody wants an answer. Let's get the answer. Um, okay,
3: let's uh, move on a little bit into some brighter news. Uh, uh, Aston Martin announced their Evolution Academy program earlier on mm. uh, in the year. We spoke about that, and Tim, we've got the uh, the 10 names now uh, who will be uh, racing GT4s and GT3s this season I think it had to be 16 to 25 17 uh, to 23
4: okay. I think wasn't it
3: uh, ok whatever
4: Oh no in the original press release it did say 17 to 25 but in the new uh, uh, in the one that's come out this week it does say 16 um, so they obviously changed that for someone and I'm just looking to see which of them Jamie is Chadwick Jamie Chadwick is only 16 of course yeah uh, so we have uh, the 10 drivers we have photographs of 8 of them uh, <laughs> we have Jamie Chadwick as you mentioned mm-hmm. one of two females alongside Jade Edwards mm-hmm. uh, we have Matt Bell yep uh, who obviously is no stranger to racing Aston Martins uh, as is Jody Fannin, mm-hmm. Jake Giddings Ross Gunn Devon Madell, uh, Dennis Strandberg a Swedish uh, driver Jonathan Venter who's someone I don't know anything about but apparently he's Australian yeah,
3: Yes uh, all of the drivers have to be already racing Aston Martins don't they Yes um, and the
4: and do they have to be already racing them in Europe
3: well the GT Asia uh, or the 24 hour series was part of it as well Okay. Uh, and at the end of the season the driver who's shown the most promise on and off the track will be offered an Aston Martin Racing works team contract
4: but I've only mentioned 9 drivers so far because you interrupted me uh, when I went off on a tangent about Jonathan Venter uh, yep. the 10th name is uh, uh, Por- uh, former Porsche um, scholarship driver mm. Daniel Lloyd
3: yes and he's rating, racing with uh, Motorbase Uh, in their Aston Martins. I caught up with him uh, a wee while ago when we were down at Monte Blanco. And apologies for the noise in the background. Some of it's cars going round and some of it's because we're in the briefing room. Uh, Daniel uh, was uh, talking to me, as I say, on that test day that we were down at Monte Blanco and uh, clearly very excited about the opportunity that the Evolution Academy presents to him in
6: 2015. To be invited onto the Evolution Academy, um, it's, a, it's a great step this year. We've got a great season planned. I'm doing British GT and a Blanc Pan Endurance Series with Motorbase. Um, great team, great teammates. And to be on the Academy and get that extra support, uh, it's going to make a big difference.
3: Clearly, you've already, given what you're doing at the moment, and, and I've watched some of your early career and commentated on some of your early career, in fact, but you've clearly already got a good step up into motor racing why is this scheme still of a benefit to you because you're on your way you're a, you know you're a racing driver already racing in big series
6: well you never stop learning no matter what you do you never stop learning in anything um, so this year one of the great things about the academy is that you get a mentor mm. um, so we're going to learn from someone like Stefan or Darren Turner um, and we're going to learn from the best so to go along to the rounds and look at the data with those guys, you know, you, you're, trying to, you're trying to replicate what they do at a race weekend. Um, so all that put together, there's a lot still to be learned. Is it true to say that because those guys have got such a good reputation
3: that they can help you, I suppose, they've made quite a lot of the mistakes that you might make in the future and you, they can help you avoid those?
6: Yeah, 100%. Um, In motorsport, I think everyone makes a lot of mistakes and, you know, to to learn from the best and to understand why they made their mistakes when they were younger and Mm -hmm. try to stay away from that, that's a big thing. It seems to me in the last few years we've seen a, a big change
3: in the attitude of young drivers like yourself, career, motor racing drivers, making the decision early to come to GT and endurance racing. Why is that?
6: Uh, it's a conversation we've had a lot uh, with a lot of people but I, I think it's, it's to do with the route to F1 uh, the route to F1 is becoming so much tougher and the money involves crazy so I think from a young age people are more realistic about getting a career out of motorsport and GTs is the way to do that mm-hmm. so I think um, it's just getting stronger and stronger the more people that come into GTs it makes the grid stronger it makes the factory team stronger um, and it just snowballs from there.
3: And being part of this initiative from Aston Martin Racing is clearly a fantastic help for you to do that. And if you were to be the overall winner at the end of this season, there is the title of Aston Martin Works Driver on offer. And I mean, people work for all of their careers for that.
6: Yeah, and it's a very rare thing for a manufacturer to do which is to, you know, dangle the carrot at the end of the season and have a goal to try and get that factory driver status. Um, of course, all parts of the academy is going to be useful, so the fitness side of things, the nutrition side.
3: Because um, oh, I, I can see you're almost clinically obese at the moment.
6: <laughs> I've, I've seen more fat on a toothpick. <laughs> no, again, it's something I work hard on, but it, with different people, so... You know, when we go to work with the Aston guys, we're gonna—I'm gonna learn something new again. I'm sure I will. Um, but also, th- they're gonna help us with sponsorship, media, media presentations, getting us out there in the press a lot more, doing things like this. Um, but then, yeah, the icing on the cake is you've got a goal at the end of the season. There, there is a potential of getting something very special.
3: I sense though, and I think this is quite important, and I think you're showing a lot of maturity from what I'm getting from you is yes of course you'd like to win it but whether you win it or not you're looking at this as a positive experience over the whole season that's going to enhance your racing career whatever the result is at the end of the year
6: Yeah 100% um, I think one of the lessons I've learned over the last couple of years is trying not to focus on Winning something at the end of the year, you just get on with it, enjoy it and do your best and if that's good enough then happy days, you'll get it. Um, but something you can't do is focus on a prize. If you do, you tend to cock it up more than often. So.
3: And it also puts pressure on you. I mean, that's, that's the issue. You, you're with David Bartram and, and, and Motorbase. Those guys have, uh, have got a fantastic history in, in touring cars. They've done single manufacturer racing and more laterally GT. Stepping up into uh, Blancpain and the British GT Championship, as we've mentioned this year. It's a big programme and there's, there's a lot of racing to do.
6: There is, yeah. It's probably my biggest year up to date. Um, Motorbase team are very new to me. I've had uh, two days with them so far, and they're awesome. Absolutely can't fault them one bit, which is fantastic for a driver just to turn up to the circuit, no worries whatsoever. Just get on with what you're doing. Um, it, it's a great thing. So, you know, Ahmed came second in the championship last year. He wants to go for the yeah. for the championship this year, which I think we've got a good chance of doing. And obviously long pan endurance series everyone knows how tough it is and i think we want to go out there and give a few people a run for the money
3: early days but how have you found the the aston martin and the the business side of it is is getting in it and driving it
6: yeah um i love it it's really really comfortable to drive um i did my first day last week at brands hatch just to bed the cars in and not being on track for five months and got in and you know, after the second run, just felt comfortable with it. So, a really nice car to drive.
3: The the, the GT three cars are built to go and race everywhere around the world. So, have you dared to think that, yeah, British GT, you're going to do Pan Endurance? So, it'll be Spa twenty four as well. Some other big races around the world like Bathurst, like Dubai twenty four, like Abu Dhabi. Do you think about those sort of things, or are you just trying to keep focused on on what you're doing this this season so far?
6: At the minute, focused on this season um, and the two championships. You know, it's a busy season, the two big programmes mm. and very important things to do. Um, but, of course, you, you have to look, as a racing driver nowadays, you have to keep your wits about you and you have to keep your ears open of opportunities and drives elsewhere because it's the one-off drives can escalate into bigger things as well. Uh, but, yeah, at the minute, concentrating on the two, two programmes. I love the fact
3: that we can sit here and have a chat with a young driver like you who've got uh, such a mature attitude to what you're doing. Are you enjoying your motor racing? That's the big question.
6: I enjoy it when I succeed. I think it's the, it's the competitiveness and it's succeeding, it's progressing in your career. That's, that's what I get the buzz out of nowadays. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, yeah, you have to be mature and you have to take this attitude about it now because there's that many people out there with a talent. It's the extra things you do behind the scenes that make the difference and I think that's what the Academy uh, are looking for this year. Midweek.
3: Uh, so there we go, that was recorded uh, a little while ago at... Uh, Monteblanco, and that was Dan Lloyd. Uh, good news, a good opportunity for all those young drivers, uh, Graham. Um, and uh, that's, uh, I think, an interesting, uh, an interesting development from from Aston.
5: Uh, going on from a number of other initiatives, where people are, I think, seeing the advantage of. Just cultivating young talent. And uh, you a number of names, of course, on that list uh, that uh, are a very firm favourites on the Midweek Motorsport Listeners Collective. Mm-hmm. And, and, and good to see Aston, I think, following in the footsteps of others and uh, coming up with their own formula. Um, and also good to see some familiar names and some less familiar names. Jonathan Venter, by the way, John, I think you and I both remember at Bathurst. Correct. Uh, but also has been plying his trade in GT uh, Asia in the craft bamboo uh, V12 Vantage, so... Uh, and we will do so again one. this year, yeah. He won indeed this year, absolutely. Uh, OK, uh, another uh, talent
3: search or young driver scheme um, that has been put back a little while, and this one uh, has Sam Brabham in it. This is the, the ACOs... Now, let me get the... Is it called Race to Le Mans? Uh,
5: no, it's Race, Race to, Race 24. to 24, and it's not yep. the ACOs. This is uh, an initiative by the Sarbrand team that ah, sorry, uh, will yes. be in... The, uh, the FIWC this year with a couple of Morgan Evos Sard branded Judd engines at the back of those cars, team launched um, formally at the Ricard uh, Prologue um, and this has been a somewhat delayed thing, it's 24 drivers of, of varying levels of uh, experience you're quite right, Sam is one, Jonathan Summers and another, um, and the idea really here is to find um, the third person in the, I think it's number 43 uh, car for Le Mans and for the remainder of the WEC post-Le Mans, wow. uh, alongside Ollie Webb and Pierre Ragg, I think, in that car. Uh, so you know, this is a, a prize worth winning. It's not the Nissan GT Academy. These, uh, for, for the most part, are experienced race drivers uh, that would be taking their place in that car. Um, but it's been somewhat delayed, I think, because there have been some issues around funding for that team. Uh, the the name that has kind of uh, come to the fore that perhaps few of us have heard of before uh, the week before the um, the uh, the Rickard test is Keros Technologies. Um, it's a Ukrainian company, which there was an extraordinary kind of turnaround with press releases being issued by one team then another uh, about backing here and backing there. But the upshot of it is, is Keros Technologies that deal with encryption technology uh, now are. Uh, ...backers and partners to Greaves Motorsports... ...but are actually the majority owners now... ...of the Miranda Engineering team... Uh, ...which is one part of the Sauber and team... ...they're also now um, the majority uh, owners of the Race 24 uh, concept... ...and that's, uh, I think it's an online reality show we're talking about here... It's now been paired back to nine shows... ...and will launch very soon... ...so let's hope that gets up and running... ...interesting concept possibly might give somebody the opportunity to get a Le Mans seat otherwise they wouldn't have a chance of uh, but uh, but we will wait and see how that one actually pans out John OK Graham thanks very much indeed don't
3: go away more to come it's Series 10 Episode 14 you're listening to RadioLe and Midweek Motorsport
0: Midweek Motorsport where we're only halfway
3: uh, and in the second hour tonight, Marshall Pruitt looks back on a fun-filled weekend in St. Petersburg that had some green flag racing in it as well. And a world challenge race that even I could have managed to driven around in. There with so few green flag uh, laps. It's all about those broken wings. And we'll have Graham Goodwin back to talk about some more sports car news. Nick Damon's getting excited about MotoGP. We'll have more of your tweets. At SpecterTainment and at... Radio Le Mans, and we will have Harry Tinknell because we've now found that bit of audio and Harry is never normally as quiet as he was when we tried to play earlier on. Uh, it, it will all be happening in the next hour.
0: Midweek motorsport on radiolamon.com
3: uh, let's quickly do a little bit of housekeeping though before we go back to Graham Goodwin and some more sports car news uh, we talked a little bit about the champion book uh, at Sebring, we've had a lot of people uh, asking us about it it is a coffee table book and by that I mean you could actually make a coffee table out of it, it is so big and substantial, uh, the guys have done a fantastic job of putting it together have you seen
1: it? Uh, I'm just, yeah, I've just, you need idea. a
3: forklift truck to lift it
1: well, that's good. I, mean, I think if you've got a, a, a coffee table book that actually is a coffee table, it, that really is multitasking in a book format.
4: And Nick does have a forklift truck. He does,
1: yeah. He does.
3: Always, always will have.
1: I normally keep one with me most times.
3: Uh, you can get... It's, it's a limited edition book. There are... A, Think a handful it, less. There aren't t- enough trees to make any more. Oh, it, it, honestly, it's a big tomb. Um, well, he w- cut down du- all the
4: ones around Mondra then no one would care if there was rain. Very good
3: point. <laughs> Excellent
1: backlinking there.
3: Very good tying that <laughs> in, Tim. <laughs> www.championmotorsport.com. Uh, if you go and access the site and put book in the search box, the uh, appropriate page will come up and the rest is pretty much self explanatory. Um, and if you put in Sebring20 into the coupon code, Uh, in the cart during checkout um, you might even get 20% off as well so that's www.championmotorsport.com if like me you were a big fan of what was going on in IMSA racing in the late 90s and the early 2000s Champion was such a big part of that Alan McNish with the GT1 car and then of course the Audi R8s uh, and all of that stuff Uh, and in fact Ralph Yutner will be talking about the champion days in our Audi special which comes up after this programme tonight Uh, and congratulations as well to the collective only IHG competitions that we ran at Sebring John Cowan and Keith Converse uh, were the winners of that, and keep an eye on Twitter tonight, there'll be another hashtag IHG Racing and BMW North America video of me, this time on track at Sebring, and we'll run another competition alongside that Uh, let's get back to some sports car news here on Midweek Motorsport uh, Series 10 Episode 14 Nick Damon alongside me up in London is our Executive Producer Tim Gray and uh, at the secret headquarters of all endurance it's dithering um, it's it is Uh world domination is Graham Goodwin editor of com. Uh, we promised you Harry Tinknell earlier on back in the seat <laughs> uh, back in the seat at Jota rather unexpectedly so how does he feel about going back to I suppose familiar ground really really
2: happy um, couldn't be happier. actually um, obviously it was it was announced a few weeks ago that um we wouldn't be doing Silverstone or sparring in nissan which then opened the opportunity to be be doing Silverstone in uh in something else and uh and then obviously none none of the uh uh, of the rest of the european le mans series clashes with the wc so
7: Mm.
2: in fact it actually opened up doing the whole whole championship and um i i assume jota was already all all, all sorted but um as you know you know things in motorsport change pretty quickly and um there was, uh, you know, there was a seat available, and uh, obviously I jumped at the chance to to test with them at uh, at Ricard last week. Everything went well, and really, really happy to to get the deal done.
3: Was that test a precursor to this happening, or, or was that just a happy accident that you were available to go and help?
2: Yeah, sure. I, mean, I, I, I at the time it was just just a test, but and um, the test went really well. It just sort of slotted straight back into the team. You know, it's, you know, fantastic team. I owe them a massive amount. Um, because without them last year i'd never be in the position i am now um but it was like it was you know it was like monday morning after the last race that, at Esterville, you know it just felt completely like it just uh, slotted straight back in and um the you know the the guys have worked really hard over the winter um the gibson guys have, have come up with um uh, a new aero package which which feels really strong definitely was a was an improvement and um, you know, Philippe and Simon have been have been working hard in, in testing so far, and it was great to be back driving with them. I, you know, I think we proved last year that we are a pretty potent force together, and uh, it was you know really nice to be back in in, in the team, and um, uh, it's all it's all looking good for the season.
3: I think. Can you really feel the difference, Harry, between last year's car and this year's car? I had a long chat with John Manchester and the guys up at uh, up at Repton. Uh, for one of our inside stories, and they said they'd done a lot of work and, and speaking to the guys at Jota, uh, but is it? You know, has it fundamentally changed the car, or or is it effectively the same car just better?
2: It's it's an evolution, I think. It's you know it's fundamentally the same car. It's the same tub, everything like that. But it's a brand new aero kit, and there's other updates on on the car as well um, underneath the underneath the skin. But I think certainly last year we we had a we had a very strong car really good downforce but i would say our main issue was probably straight line speed and we were always sort of six or seven k down on the straights which isn't ideal especially at the Mon. um but the the aero package at the Mon was actually quite good so i think they've sort of taken that aero package from the Mon and and just modified it for the for the you know to, to to work basically on the on the higher downforce track so the it's the same fenders from the from the Mon package and um yeah, basically, they've just managed to bolt some downforce on. Basically, you got a lot of drag reduction out of the car this year, um, but sort of with the same downforce year So it's a it's a win-win sort of situation, really. And that's um, for tracks like Ricard and stuff, that's going to be a big, big boost. And it's going to help a lot in the traffic as well, getting past the l 2 cars and obviously the GT cars.
3: Obviously, the reason that you're available is the disappointment that we aren't going to see the Nissan GT RLM at either Silverstone or Spa, at least not in competitive form. I know that there's going to be a car at Silverstone for the fans to have a look at, but things haven't stopped with Nissan. Indeed, we're speaking to you now out in the States, uh, and testing goes on apace. one presumes? Absolutely. I
2: think every test um, so far has been a, a big improvement we were We were out here last week testing, and um I think from from the test um, that I did before it was the car was definitely a step forward and um we we're sort of halfway through a four day test here now and we've we've made another another big gain um the car is is certainly performing at, um at a a higher level and and also we're starting to get some much longer runs in which is you know massively valuable. Uh, especially for the michelin guys who are designing the bespoke tires for the car so we're giving them lots of really good data and obviously for the drivers as well as you know it's fantastic to to, to get a, a feel for a car over the long runs because obviously that's what when it comes to the race situation that's what we're going to need to be doing but yeah, it's all looking, all, all going in the right direction, absolutely.
3: If the, the Gibson to the Zytec is an evolution and your driving style won't have changed very much, however, you're talking about jumping into a P1 car, which is a very different animal, and you're talking about a P1 car with the engine in the front driving the front wheels. So, all right, it's a car, it's got a steering wheel, it's got a wheel at each corner, but is it fundamentally different, Harry, from, from what you've been used to? Are you having to... Effectively learn some new skills. Yeah, absolutely.
2: It's 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 massively different, and the, and the first ten laps is really uh is really an interesting time for a driver because it it is massively different. And um but it's unbelievable how quickly you adapt to it and how quickly it becomes normal. And even when you're looking at it from the outside, the first time I saw the car, I was like, wow, this looks really different, really radical. And then probably after an hour, it, it just looked like a you know a, a fairly standard. Uh, p1 car even though the engine's in the front it's amazing how quickly your your mind adapts to it but out on track um there there is a slightly more of a i wouldn't say touring car driving style but certainly it's not it's not completely the same as driving the rear engine rear wheel drive car but having said that you know the downforce is 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 really we we're really starting to make big gains on that. So in the high speed, it, it feels just like an LMP1 racing car. Um, obviously, I had a few laps in the Audi last year, so I have mm. some sort of feel for for what they're like. And and we're certainly we're certainly um, pushing the boundaries and getting getting up to where we need to be on that side. And and you know the power and the straight line speed it, it is is absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal for sure. So we we are we you know we're getting there, and it's going to be a rocket down the Molson, that's for sure
3: you know all that power going through the front wheels it just seems to say to me you know massive power on understeer uh, and and that must require a different driving style or, or does the design of the car mitigate that and and make it a far more balanced car than perhaps us mere mortals would imagine
2: no it, it's certainly um it's certainly more more balanced than maybe um maybe it, it, it would suggest on paper and i mean obviously uh, ben has designed the car, and knowing that you know it's going to be front wheel drive and everything mm. like that. So that that you know, there's it's it's taken a, you know it's taken a, a while to to get everything together, and we're still with like I say making big improvements for every test. But we're really starting to get down to some uh, um, good times now, and uh and you know doing long runs and consistent runs as well, and. Um, a lot of people were saying oh you know it's going to chew the front tires up really fast and everything like that." but we're actually finding it's been really really consistent and um like i say there's you know we're we're improving every every test and it, it, every time we come to to each test it's uh you know the car is, the car is um quite a bit bit different but it's all going in the right direction and for sure at the start there would there was some understeer mm. um but we're, we're improving that all the time and, and like i say it's amazing how how each test it, it it's just growing and growing and growing and um i think the foundation is there for it to be a really strong car
3: have you got used to the overrun on the exhaust popping out in front of the windscreen yet <laughs>
2: um well in in the night it's uh it's especially uh it's especially cool i mean the the first time it it, it sort of uh, the, you know the overrun came up i was like bloody hell what was that <laughs> um and it's just yeah it, it's it's amazing feeling um but uh, especially you're sort of looking at the apex and then sort of out of the corner of your eye, you see these massive flames sort of coming out of the car. It's pretty cool. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's going to uh, make for some some pretty cool photos at the moment from the fans, for sure. So I'm looking forward to seeing some of them.
3: Let's bring you back to, to Jota which is the, the main reason that we have you uh, on tonight, rejoining the team with which you had so much success. Silverstone, of course, is not very far away. You've got to get your head into race mode for that. And a competitive field, possibly even more competitive than what we would have been talking about this time last year, Harry. Yeah, massively so, massively so. I think there's a
2: really good mix of um, uh, of strong teams returning. Um, new cars, you know, like the ORCA 05, that looked really strong in testing and certainly TDS uh, a very strong outfit. We know that from last year and and also some new teams and some new cars and it's you know, uh, it's gonna be really interesting to see what the S and P car's like. And again they were pretty strong in testing in Ricard in the in the Orica So um it's certainly gonna be, you know, fantastic basing. Um we're very confident you know we we were very fast there last year I think
3: OK Harry thanks very much sounds like we're losing the connection now Harry Tinknell joining us from the US congrats on rejoining Jordan and have a good season with them and of course with Nisad that was a bit earlier on today and just dropping out the uh the connection earlier on, but Graham Goodwin, interesting to hear that, and Adrian Michael Reese saying uh, this seems to be sensible. By Newsboys tweeted out about your team and doing way more laps in testing than they would be of a WEC weekend and. That's actually a a pretty decent point and clearly from what Harry said, things are moving forward at a pace that wouldn't be possible if they were having to think about shipping the cars to Silverstone. It's a disappointment that they're not going to be there for so many people, but we're going to try and mitigate that for one or two people with something very special that uh, yourself, Nismo and Rachel LeMond are putting together.
5: That's going live now on Facebook and on DSC are the details. Now, if you're listening tonight and a member of the Midsweek Motorsports Listeners Collective, a reader of DSC, or indeed um, a member of the FIWEC fans uh, uh, group on um, on Facebook, you can have the chance to come and meet the team. When we say the, the team, I believe we're talking about most, if not all, of the drivers. Ben Bowlby, Darren Cox, and indeed uh, there'll be one of the display cars the GTRLM will be there too and you can get the chance to come and ask whatever questions you like and not only will you be doing that you'll be doing that in the media's meet the team session and uh, the only downside John I'm afraid is that you and I are presenting it ah okay thank you <laughs> make sure uh, the details you... are on the web right now uh, posting I'm literally typing as I'm talking and uh, there'll be the opportunity, uh, something around, you know, between nine and a dozen fans to come along. There are no wrong questions. Let's make that absolutely okay. clear. This is about the LMP1 program. No wrong questions. We will just be asking you for the questions you'd like to ask. Just that's only because we'd like to make sure the right people from Nissan are there to answer them. But uh, this will be on Friday of the Silverstone meeting at 6pm in the paddock, in the uh, the hospitality area for the Nissan team, and this is absolutely real, first time I think it's ever been done uh, this is absolutely genuinely for the fans
3: OK, uh, more details on that on the Midweek Motorsport Listeners Collective on Daily Sports Car's Facebook page and on Daily Sports Car and of course on the FIA forums as well and quickly to round up with you Graham, um we've been drilling this for quite some time um, was meant to be announced a wee while ago but there was Uh, A bit of a change in the way that the FIA WEC handle their TV rights. New Swiss company in front now involved. And we can now confirm, because it's come out, that uh, WEC live for pretty much the whole season in the
5: US on Fox Sports. Uh, yeah, very, very good news indeed. I believe for uh, American viewers, uh, the one thing to make very clear is, and I think you can confirm this as well, John, is that doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to get the streaming video on the app. Uh, that continues across none of
3: the streaming. None of the streaming uh, options, either RadioLemon.com, with our Nothing's radio covered. coverage, uh, and the for those of you who are apt up and have the appropriate devices. Uh, and subscriptions. None of those things are affected in the slightest by this. This is in addition to, not instead of uh, and it starts at Silverstone with the whole of the six hours of Silverstone live on Fox Sports 1. Spa's going to be half and half Fox Sports 1 and Fox Sports 2. Uh, Le Mans obviously has been on previous iterations uh, of Fox and the whole 24 hours will be on a variety of their Fox Sports platforms, it's fair to say, this is vision we're talking about here, remember the audio side you can still look after on RadioLemon.com. none of that changes, the same analysis the same coverage uh, the same sensible chat that you get from uh, the guys uh, here at RadioLemon.com will continue uh, and that starts for Silverstone, so all good. Um, Andrew Cooksley among others, asking um When does the streaming package go on sale? That's a question that we have asked the FIA WEC. Um, It was was about the week before Silverstone last year, so we expect it any time now. That's not something that we are involved with or can influence, but obviously, if and when we hear anything, we'll make sure it gets out to you. All good news uh, for WEC fans uh, in the States. By the way, the new 52-minute highlights programme will also be available ...in the US as well. Yes. Oh, and sorry, you, you were signalling to me as if No, were, I was saying because you would be on it. You might you were be.
4: saying... Um, Shall we let Graham go now? Yes. You are saying Mr. Goodwin. About sensibleness and uh, things like that, so presumably that means Nick Damon's not involved in our WEC uh,
3: coverage and it'll be Bruce and Johnny instead? It'll be Bruce and Johnny, yeah. And Hang on, I'm, I'm involved s- at Silverstone. Uh, you'll be involved... Well, you might be. Oh, we might we might hive you off onto ALMS.
1: Am I might... Eh? I thought you could do both. Well, you might. Am I I sacked for Le Mans as well, then? That's part of the U.C. You get to know all the news here, don't you? Yeah, (laughs) absolutely.
4: Another radio <laughs> one exclusive there. Here only on bearded fired.
3: Only bearded people allowed at Namont. Well, you'd be fine.
1: I'd be fine then. Yeah, fine. me a, it's me you and Omni only Pescarola, and that's it.
3: Fantastic. That sounds good, <laughs> Graham. Thanks very much. Um, we'll pick up some more news uh, next week. I know you've had a, a crackingly busy week, and there is lots of features to come up on dailysportscar.com, dot com. But I don't think there is anything uh, that won't wait till next week, is there?
5: Uh, no, we've got. Uh, I think yeah, we're going to be doing some WEC and ELMS preview stuff, John, early next week, and looking forward to that.
3: Yeah, and on the radio too, uh, before Silverstone next week, which means Graham and I need to find some time. Uh, with Nick to do a bit of sitting down and talking Graham Goodwin editor of dailysportscar.com thanks very much indeed still to come on tonight's programme uh, don't forget to keep an eye on Twitter Uh, another IHG hashtag IHG Racing BMW North America video of me on the track in an M4 this time it's at Sebring and there'll be another competition alongside that it's Audi and meet the team straight after this at 10 o'clock tonight but now we talk two wheels No we don't (sighs) Uh,
5: I thought you said we did Take
3: these broken wings
4: Yes Or this broken wing Which is less broken than some people are making out
3: Okay Which one is this we're talking about?
4: Well, there's only one broken wing, isn't there? And that's, oh, well, that's the one in the pit lane at Silverstone.
3: Oh, uh, right. You could have easily applied that as well <laughs> to, to, um, to the St. Pete. St. Peter and IndyCar, which is, I thought, where you were going. Uh, no, signals. not It's broken
1: wing, you see.
3: Well, it's to take these broken wings. Yeah.
1: Well,
3: stop. You stop. Wi- oh, what a shame, Nick's just left.
1: <laughs> Sacked and silenced. It's it's uh, as Johnny
3: Palmer, uh, at Blackfield Johnny, tweeted today, the irony is not lost on the fact. That a wing produced uh, a wing at the motor racing circuit was producing uh, lift downforce. rather than downforce. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's it's all superficial, Lord Nick. It's going to be fine. Isn't yeah. It?
4: Although it looks a bit of a mess at the moment, the damage is largely cosmetic, and the structural and functional integrity of the roof remains completely intact. As Stuart Sounds Pringle. like Nick and I.
1: Because if you rip off a roof, the top of a roof, that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah, it's like everyone it's, knows the that.
3: damage is mainly superficial.
1: I mean, and cosmetic. Absolutely.
3: Cosmetic.
4: He doesn't yeah. say superficial, cosmetic.
3: Our damage is mostly cosmetic as well Nick isn't it?
1: I've got a lot of cosmetic damage I must admit <laughs> every time I look in the mirror there's more cosmetic damage There is a race
3: meeting this weekend There is Stuart
1: went on to say we don't
4: course. anticipate any impact on this weekend's BRSCC race meeting Bad and certainly words. not on our high, pro- high profile season opener the FIA Dub- World Endurance Championship uh, to which we look forward to welcoming fans and competitors alike over the weekend of 10th and 12th of April. Tickets are on sale
3: now. What did? What do you think the CEO of Silverstone said?
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, it's nothing. He was running for the. He was running for his uh, his protective shelter. Apparently, as he would, of course.
0: Other essentials. You are better off in your own home. There you go, there. Yes, yes, true. Uh,
3: yep.
1: a, uh, the thing is, of course, there's actually a lot of unused space in the wing. Because mm-hmm. uh, so right at the pit in, you've got the media centre, which you can't see out of the windows, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Why would you want to? All, all the way down, they've got kind of what would be entertaining space if anyone felt going to the wing was in any way entertaining. So, the bit that's fallen off actually doesn't look like it's directly above the media centre. So, the rest of it, they can just, just cordon off with those little plastic sort of triangles which say, caution, wet caution, wet surface. Mm-hmm. You know, and then have a couple of people you know, going with a mop, picking mm-hmm. it all up.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay, sounds
1: reasonable. Can I just point out they have some support? Really? Johnny Palmer has text me just now, okay. Don't let them bully you out of all this work. You can come to Zanvo if you want.
3: All right. Yeah, okay. like, oh,
1: oh, hang on. So he's passing you the word. Yeah, apparently, then. now he's he's told me I can go to Zanvo. It's marvellous. Uh, there's obviously some some the changes. The hierarchy's changed massively the last since I was last on. I
4: can't <laughs> believe Johnny Ferrari. Palmer's actually listening live. Uh, he's normally a podcast man. Hello, uh, hello, Johnny. Hello good <laughs> evening.
1: Uh, let's now
3: come in. I with also can't believe
4: that I can't find. In the second uh, occasion tonight where we haven't had the audio ready, uh, yeah. a comment from uh, former BRDC president, yes. Sir Jackie Stewart, about yeah. the uh, structural integrity <laughs> of the wing. Of,
3: of the wing, yes, that's a shame. Yes, yeah, very good. Um, uh, however, so I'm, g- I'm going to move. We can only now move on to two wheels. Uh, I'm going to move on, not
4: necessarily to two wheels, I'm <sighs> going to play you another bit of music. All right, okay. Uh, well, obviously, uh, at this time of year, there's only one film that, uh, has a motorsport theme when it's released.
1: Which is? Which is?
4: I Superbike 5. Oh,
1: jeez. Oh, really? they have got the 5 now, have they? Uh,
4: if anyone. You sound, uh,
1: so you actually know what this is, Nick, do you? Yeah, every year. It's the MC British Superbikes release a kind of a. movie. Film movie. I, mean, I think the first one was a Chris Walker one, wasn't it?
4: My, uh. My f- review of uh, iSuperbiker 4 last year was, please stop. <laughs>
1: so they're not listening to you then, they're and they've gone for iSuperbiker 5. And that, I take it that's just about, is it just about last year's championship? It's about last it's year. Close. Stuart
4: Higgs says uh, it's a really good film and uh, really exciting. But we know that because we know what happened in last year's British Superbike Championship. Is the it pipe. really
1: exciting? Is it exciting? That's how you edit it, doesn't it? Well, it's not really exciting. It might be interesting. Don't be excited about something you know the result of. Well, I'm, I'm just uh, going to have to go with it, anti that particular adjective. i
4: What we don't uh, know uh, the result of uh, at the moment is the 2015 uh, British Superbike Championship, uh, but Nick's well, going to we'll. tell us something about it.
1: Yes, it starts this weekend at Donington Park, and they and they also issued a uh, April Fool this morning where they said one well, of the races going to run anti-clockwise. Ooh. Oh, really? Up up the of curves Do you know
3: I'd pay to see that? On a I bike?
1: Assume, I, don't, I assume it must be the safety reason they can't do it. I, I They used to do it at Brands Hatch, I Hatch, think Dyington would be quite good the other way around, actually. They
3: do it a lot at Knock Hill.
1: Yes. Both but, ways. But you, yes. need to have a, obviously you need to have all the barriers properly aligned. For yes, so that you can't hit the end of a barrier. Yeah, so that's it. Um, I yes. believe
3: Knock Hill's the only UK circuit which is
4: currently licensed to run both yeah. ways.
3: I think Brands Hatch led their wrong way around license... Laps, didn't they? But they did use, it, and interestingly, it was bikes they used to run it on. Mm, the wrong way round
1: license they have for you and McGregor and uh, Charlie Borman.
3: Yes, absolutely. <laughs>
1: um, so this so year's w- championship, uh-huh. uh will it be won by Shane Byrne. Will it? Yep. Shaky. There we go. Is he, only,
4: is he the only rider in it, then?
1: It's on the carousel, there's hundreds of riders in it. You go, Danny Booker, Richard Kiyonari, James Schmerz, Linford, James Ellison. Ellison, Stuart Easter, Richard Cooper, Josh Brooks, Tommy Breiball, and many others who are taking part on bikes from Yamaha, from BMW, from Kawasaki, and from Honda. How oh, many course, others, not Nick? New, I don't know, I haven't got the whole complete entry list in front of Say me. Say 40. The, there's 40? Is there Really? 40 at Blimey?
3: Really? or O'Reilly, we might have to have a ride out to see some of them. got 40 the, this year. What's the uh,
4: maximum number of starters at Cadwell Park?
3: Not 40. 40. No. <laughs> no, I think <laughs>
1: it's, thir- it's is it 32? Th- 30- 30 I think it's 34. Yeah, I think it's 34. They're in two classes again, aren't they? Are they There's two classes? Yes, yeah, two classes, but there's a there's two there's championship private. Is Chris Walker not riding again this year? Yes, he is. He's right. 201 for the championship. Okay. <laughs>
3: Doesn't know everybody on but knows the odds. He's
1: there straight away. Yeah, but you know, it's, in fairness, you know, he's he's good, but, um, he's, good, but um, he's quite old, mm. and, uh, and and as a segue, and as, as a segue, who... uh-huh. it, being it's quite not... old in motorcycle racing is not necessarily an impingement. Hey, hey, well done,
3: nicely moved on. Chris Watt was the man who uh, showed me how to get round Cadwell Park on a uh, motorbike. Yeah. Oh, Someone showed me how to get round a bike. No, it? you're fine. You've got a nice Ducati. Um, we can't talk about bikes this evening without harking back to the season opener for Mortal GP at Qatar at the weekend. You were just arriving back as my head was about to explode, yes, and you... I did my very best no, 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 not
1: to tell you was, what was I, going exactly on yes, on I was Sunday night. It and I was driving back, and John asked me a, a, a question about the show, and you're going, oh, don't, oh, Are you watching the Grand Prix? I said, No. I, said, oh, oh, I can't say anything. I not, just answer this question uh, or text me back. Okay. Bye bye. <laughs> Had to put and the that phone it. down.
3: What? The, the, the thing was that. What happened was, of course, is Marquez gets shuffled to the back right at the beginning. Shuffled
1: himself, really? Yes. They had a... the qualifying didn't go the way of Honda. The, the Ducati's got themselves on the front, mm. uh, mainly from their advantage, of, well two of them, one they've bought a decent bike this year, mm-hmm. and two they had the option of the super soft tyre, sorry, sorry the soft tyre mm-hmm. uh, because they are still a claiming uh, a, an open class bike. They'll lose that very quickly actually, yeah. because it's on it's on podiums and they and uh, not wishing to get the end of the story away too early they, they picked up two of those uh, this weekend, and after three podiums they lose um, some fuel allowance, and I think after three more they lose yeah, this soft tyre allowance as well but effectively Marquez who has completely dominated last year and won the first I think 9 or 10 races of the season um, had a qualified like third or fourth and went off and got caught in the melee of the first lap and he got basically squeezed out he, tried, he turned in I think didn't realise there's a bike underneath him where he was turning in. Had to sit up, and at that point he just went straight on. Luckily, in Qatar first corner, there is a tarmac runoff. But as you know, you make a mistake mm. on the first lap, you're going to lose a huge number more positions than you make it on lap 26. Good point. So then he was last, and he had to work his way through. And at the front there was uh, the, the two um, Ducatis of and and Vizioso. and Jorge Lorenzo made a great start and looked really good. And in ninth place was Valentino Rossi. Um, after a relatively poor qualifying so what we were all expect I walked in
3: I had just missed the start I walked back to my hotel room after uh, swift dinner on
1: uh, Sunday night to see Marquez in 14th so so what I thought was going to happen I don't know is oh John's telling me about a fantastic come from the back ride by Marquez he starts 14th I was thinking about, mm. John's probably me, it must be about lap 12. Mm. Oh, it must be the front by then. So, Marquez, uh, uh, you know, who normally, if he gets away the front, needs a bit dull, thought, great, we're going to see him. So, he he started coming through, and there was a great battle between Lorenzo and Divisioso, and then also sort of trolling up a bit was was Valentino, who was getting past some of the lesser bikes. And then... And then suddenly, the four of them, which is the two Ducatis and the two works Yamahas, and neither of the Hondas, started involving themselves in... 21 laps or at least 19 laps of non stop battling, bonkers battling, and all the time you sitting there thinking, ah, oh, here comes the shock, here comes Marquez, the shock, here he's gonna come, he's gonna come up back, and so he was, he's not, he's not gonna catch him up, he hasn't got the race. Pace. Oh, they're slowing each other
3: down, of course. This is playing I was sitting on the edge of the bed going, This is playing into Marquez's
1: hands, he's gonna come through, he's gonna come through, obviously. Um, but he didn't, he, the, the bike, so we had these four, four bikes, uh running round it was mostly a battle between an issue between uh, Lorenzo and Vizioso Lorenzo had the most bizarre problem that I've ever heard on a motorbike yes he had a helmet problem yes and that's his hat helmet his hat helmet he got a, the visor the the, the, the padding. padding I've had that the helmet really it didn't matter quite so much on the uh, north <laughs> circle in fairness uh, I don't know I don't know anyway upshot of it was you couldn't see apparently yeah and Valley won the race and yeah, but he, I mean, the thing about it was, the really exciting thing about it, and why it was so great, was you had the Ducatis working properly for the Correct. first time in... Ever. Ever without slower and the first mm. time at all since 2011, mm. and you had bikes making their speed in completely different ways. In The Yamaha was great in the turns, the Ducati was great down the straight, so the Yamaha actually came off the last turn, and if you didn't come off properly the extra grunt that Ducati would blast past before they got to the start-finish line. And so the, the lead must have changed. I'm not big into lead change. It's very NASCAR. But the way the lead changed about 27 times during the race. And Rossi not only had to get ahead, but he had to be of enough of a gap that he got ahead so he couldn't get blast past in the last lap. And at every corner, he goes, Oh, ah, uh, ah, ah. The lean
3: angles. uh, First of all, we said this last week about the underneath the lights. Fantastic. It did look like a video game. A very good video game, but it looked like a video game. It was brilliant. The lean angles, outstanding. That are still my favourite motorsport camera is still the camera on the back of the bike that steers up straight the camera. whilst the yeah. bike moves around it. That so, is a genius idea. The
1: basic thing is that Valentino Rossi at 36 years old is leading the world championship of the most physically damaging motorsport there is.
3: Brilliant stuff. Um, Possibly
1: in line with perhaps motocross is equally physically damaging but you know. And it was just a fantastic 45 minutes of race action and, and yeah, they really have uh, I don't know they peaked too soon but they, I think we're going to see this all season because Honda is like, lying down. Next race.
4: Oh, Austin. I'll,
1: Austin, Austin, the Circuit of America, which is a huge Honda circuit. Honda have won there no issues yeah. in the last few years. Okay,
4: and can they the other, do it the other, this year though? Because they well, obviously aren't.
1: No, the, the other point is that it's very likely that we won't have Danny Pedrosa there. Danny Pedrosa announced at the end of the race that he's had severe arm pump issues, and they, and they can't be fixed. Surgery. And they can't be fixed. Surgery, so he's. It looks like he's going to step but
3: away. By the way, do you want to explain
1: arm pump for people who aren't motorcycle fans?
4: Well, They've already is. done this. Go back have and we... listen to it on the podcast oh, right. the well, last time. Basically, your arm hurts don't.
1: like heck because you can't brace the weight against the yeah. braking. It, it, it's very, very painful, it's caused by... It's a sort of version of RSI. It, yeah. it's, a, it's, a strange, it's not quite that. So the question is, who's going and to get replace the Pedroza? Ride. Now, yeah. the course of course, the fact is they do have a number of hundred test drivers. They do have people like Cal Clutchlow, mm-hmm. who's in the satellite bike. But who announced he was coming back to racing last week? Uh, who was that, Nick? That's Casey Stoner. Mm-hmm. Now, admittedly, he announced he was doing that for the Suzuka 8 Hours, which is a superbike race, the team race, but he has tested the bike. Mm. Now he's not the easiest to persuade, but cash talks.
3: Uh, James Foster says, "Good to hear you talking about bikes. Uh, British superbikes make a break
1: year for Jenny Tinmouth on the Works Honda. I think it's great she's got a Works drive, and I think we, it's nice to see." Uh, a woman racing against uh, men on an equal level with no female or favour and not a stupid Bernie Eccleston Women's Grand Prix idea.
3: No, absolutely, which we're not going to talk about. Uh, but if they, you do
4: want to talk about it, there's a thread on the... Uh, which collective. is the I'll longest face, thread but... I've seen for a
3: long time.
4: And that is the only place that you could talk about it.
3: Yes.
1: But no, I think, I think British Superbikes... Um, is again very very strong, and I still say the one way to improve World Superbikes is to change the the set tyre rules so that the guests can come in at various countries. Uh, Alan Prosser reminds us: Rossi was the only person on a hard front tyre, which he does that because he likes stability. He's always been very. That's why he had huge problems with the Ducati; he couldn't have comfort in the front. Yeah, he uses the hard. It's not the grip; it's the structure, which is the compound structure which obviously has less given the carcass which he actually prefers it's probably actually slower for other riders but not for his style you're
3: listening to Midweek Motorsport that's Nick Damon he'll stay with us it's the 1st of April but there's no fooling us tonight it's <laughs> Series 10 episode well how would you know uh, episode 14 on Series 10 and Tim where do we go next uh, we go to America next uh, where it
4: was the opening round of the IndyCar series at the weekend um, and unfortunately uh, I think last week we didn't spend enough time talking about IndyCar. Uh, there was no real uh, IndyCar preview and uh, subsequently... What, apart from
3: the one that uh, Marshall and I did in about seven minutes?
4: Yeah. You needed mm. to spend another 70 minutes on it, really. No, we didn't. That was perfect. We, we got uh, all the salient points I and mean, I, I
1: knew the points. The points were that the... Let me tell you what. what I only listened to it and then this, this is what I've, I learned from it, OK? Uh-huh. I learnt from it that... Chevrolet was seven million times better prepared than Honda were Mm -hmm. and anyone could win who was driving a Chevrolet especially if if they're in the Penske Mm -hmm. how did it turn out (laughs) yeah Marshall Pruitt John (laughs) Hindoff hey dude how you doing
7: I am uh, you know what I'm so good I've spent enough of my life in Florida this year I'm home in California where I belong everything is good brother
3: um Uh, the, the nub of what we said in our very short preview was drive a Chevy uh, and you've got a chance, drive a Penske Chevy and you've got even more of a chance. And what happened in the weekend? <laughs>
7: Funny enough, yeah, I'm, I'm getting uh, I'm after a day and a half of riding getting close to finishing my rewind column on St. Pete and yeah, lo and behold, if you're driving for the captain, your odds of winning if not finishing in the top 4 were uh, or 5 were greatly increased and uh lo and behold that's exactly what happened was another Chevy route, and uh, the Team Penske side of that route, I would say, uh, has even the Ganassi folks a little bit shook. Granted, um, Tony Kanan did finish third, uh, so it's not as if the Ganassi team was in uh, the same kind of disarray we've seen in years past. Mm -hmm. But as Chip rightly said before the race, and I think it might have been on uh, IMS radio, we're just hoping to be first in class today, and uh, indeed they were. Uh, unfortunately, when you have Ganassi talking about he'd be happy if uh, they were the best team after Penske, uh, boy, that says something, doesn't it?
3: Um, yes, it kind of does. I I, I saw most of uh, the race, like actually quite a lot of the racing at Tempate at the weekend. It was. Uh, rather less green flag racing than I was hoping and all joking aside the world challenge race I, I don't know did it make it into double figures of green flag laps uh, drivers complaining about having to do a standing start and the uh, the clerk of the course the race director saying guys you know crashing at the start it's nobody's fault, uh, fault but your own Um Thirty odd minutes under yellow there, uh, then a couple of green flag blasts, uh, and when done, Ryan Eversley for for hanging on um, in all all joking apart. But in the IndyCar, in the IndyCar race, um, bits and pieces of car all over the place. MP.
7: Yeah, so there were a couple of series. Actually, it might have been just one or two series that uh, actually I think really Indy Lights might have Indy Lights and in USF two thousand might have been the only series. Uh, that did not embarrass themselves with uh, exceptional contact and crashes and otherwise. If you're looking at the world, to start with World Challenge and quickly, um, that's another thing I'm writing about, where uh, is is at what point uh, do massive grids uh, start to overshadow the quality of putting on a proper motor race it's what IMSA went through last year at Daytona and specifically at Sebring where uh the Gaston Kirbys of the world kind person but probably not someone meant to uh compete in a 12-hour race in a prototype did folks like that who were probably marginally uh, capable uh, of being involved did they belong and did it benefit the race as a whole the series as a whole afterwards IMSA decided no good on them and I would like to think we've trimmed some of that world challenge I think has been exceptionally enamored with the high car counts as they should be lots of GT uh, GT3 cars in the GT category uh, the new Porsche Cup class which saw seven additional cars added to the grid etc cetera, etc cetera. But I, I think if they want to maintain the quality uh, that they're offering, that a Ast- I'm sorry, that a Cadillac, an Acura, a Bentley, Ferrari, some McLaren, some of these other manufacturers and teams come into the series looking for, they might have to do a bit of a, a bit stronger screening. Uh, at some of the folks that they're letting into race. And with that being said, some of the pros did some really dumb things too, Heindy. so you can't really just say, aha, weed out some of the pro-ams and it'll just be nothing but green flag racing. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, they're going through a growth spurt, and uh, as part of that growth spurt, <laughs> they're going to have to really decide... What's the best way to ensure we do we can put on races where more than half are run under green? Last weekend they weren't. Yeah. In IndyCar, uh, switching to another topic entirely, uh, we came away with uh, a much greater concern, Heidi, and this is the one that probably deserves the most uh, of, of delving into, and that's the air kits themselves, the designs themselves for the road course and short oval kits that we saw being used. And their crashworthiness, and their the the mounting of some of the parts and pieces, um, and how the first half of the race admittedly was just horrible uh, due to. Uh, Contact that last year with the 2014 spec Delara by Would not have resulted into bits and pieces being littered all over the track Multiple cautions being called Um, And also frankly So we started off the race with roughly the first half of it uh, Being a bit marred by cautions contact and such The second half of the race uh, ran caution free and then we found out after the race, one of those bouts of contact that sent bodywork flying over, the, over a grandstand. I mean, I'm guessing it must have been 50 feet, if not more, away from the track, maybe 60, and struck a woman in the back of the head, uh, sent oh, her to the hospital. Uh, I don't know if a complete medical description has been put out. I've heard, and this is not saying it's accurate, I'm just saying I've heard she could have had a fractured skull. From this, but this was genuinely someone just walking along behind the grandstands, tall grandstands, away from the track. You know, just walking on the grass, uh, getting hit by debris that went flying very high and very far from the track uh, by one of these new aerodynamic pieces. And uh, so, when you have the first half of the race marred by contact. And arrow kits littering the track, uh, and then you close the race with some of that debris turning into, you know, a projectile, effectively, and injuring someone, without the sound hindy of tires. You know, crashing and crunching, yes. and a big kaboom to turn everyone's eyes to the damage. This is just happening in the context of normal racing, normal engine sounds, cars making contact and bodywork flying. Something that wouldn't necessarily trigger everyone's attention to look for the accident. Uh, that's a little—I well, shouldn't say a little. That's very scary. If you can't turn, if you can't avert your eyes at any point in time for fear of something flying out of the sky. I'm not trying to be alarmist, but. Uh, IndyCar needs to take a very serious look at this.
3: Come back to that in a moment. Nick uh, is here in the studio and Tim Gray up in London has a point for Marshall Pruitt. Uh, Tim, what do you have? Uh,
4: John, do you remember the first uh, motor race I saw live in the US? Uh, No. Uh, It was Lagoon Seca in 2005. Right. American Amon series was the headline event, but yep. the first actual race that I saw was a Board Star Master race, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, which is a nine lap race, and do you remember how many of those laps were green? None. None. None is yep. correct. They nearly did the whole <laughs> of the first lap, yeah, and then they restarted it uh, several times, uh, but uh, the safety car was always back out before a whole lap a had been lap completed.
3: Yeah. I, um, it, it's... I don't know what this the, the the situation. One thing I would say, Marsh, I've got a question from a listener here um, in a moment, but I, I would say that given that there was so much tyre versus wing uh, contact, there were precious few cut down tyres, punctures, etc. So Firestone are clearly doing a decent job. Uh, Eric Rude says. Uh, uh, was the Honda Honda Aero kit more susceptible to damage, or was it just coincidental that there were more often the ones that were shedding parts? There was even a, a graphic on the uh, on the TV coverage of of
7: who's done what to wrong. who. I, yeah, the the gra- like many things in the broadcast that that was completely wrong. Uh, it listed seven broken Honda versus one Chevy, and you know, the, let's just say that that graphic was maybe rushed to air a little bit quickly. Um, Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of Chevy runners, a lot of Chevy runners, at least half that I have spoken with and confirmed lost uh, bits off of their uh, front wing package, specifically the upper elements, the bits that, what I call a wing on a stick, um, the, the bits that stand up. Uh, rather high off of the front wing uh yeah, I mean the and I delve into this in my my rewind column I'm finishing up uh there are reasons, definite reasons for uh, the Hondas uh, littering the track more, and it's due to. Well, let's just say that if you are uh, if you know structural stuff or if you've ever been a race car mechanic or a mechanic in general, you probably know the difference between a single shear mounting and a double shear mounting. The Hondas, I'm sorry, the Chevys with their upper elements, the new elements that call it the cascade elements that they uh, built that go on top of the Delara main plane, those are captured in a double shear capacity. They're bolted in on both sides and held in a rigid manner. The Honda, uh, you, uh, that actually is true with their cascade elements. But in front of those cascade elements, they have tall end plates, and on those end plates, on the inside, they have lots of little winglets. The end plate slash winglet package—that is what ended up breaking time and time and time again. Those for all intents and purposes are not held in a double shear mounting capacity. It's more or less a single shear. So it made it painfully easy for them to be hit and knocked over or ripped off or turned 90 degrees Um, just insufficient mounting uh, material to hold everything in place. So of the uh, of what I've written so far this is something IndyCar needs to step in and address right away we if we wanted to we could point fingers and say hey even the newest of fans were able to point out in february when they first saw the chevy arrow kit renderings they you know said hey the little tall pointy bits that stick up that aren't protected by end plates or anything from being run over those are going to get knocked off and indeed many of them were luca filippi compl- ended the first lap in his uh, cfh cfh racing chevy Missing both, Heidi. The heck with knocking Mm. off one, he lost both on the first lap. Um, Mm. His teammate ended up losing both at at separate times, and others lost more. And you look at the Hondas, and uh, yeah, they had problems of their own. I mean, one of the things that we heard, you know, every person, seemingly every person say, was the Honda in particular was just going to be littering the track with front wings, and that really wasn't the case, and I disagreed with people when they said it, and I disagree now. Uh, The Cascade Elements... That was never really a problem, nor did we see many, if any, of those on the track. Uh, Pretty much all the Honda issues up front centered on um, the uh, end plate and uh, winglet pieces being knocked off. So that is not something I expected to see happen by any means, but it did. So uh, there certainly has to be... uh, Certainly has to be some fixes made to that, unless IndyCar wants to see uh, more of their road and street course races turn into nothing but yellow fests. Uh, 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 Honda needs to, I'm sorry, Chevy needs to uh, make some adjustments to make sure the upper elements aren't knocked off. And that's just Mm -hmm. from a racing side. From a safety side, uh, after what happened to the woman who was struck by the flying uh, arrow kit piece... um, I think just from a fan safety standpoint, corner marshal safety point, the photographers walking around trackside, to me safety uh, is what was exposed as a serious concern. Forget the racing. I mean, that's secondary. Uh, Aerodynamic efficiency, that would be well down the order. Safety was called into question, Heidi, and that to me should probably be uh, the number one thing IndyCar is focused on, leaving St. Pete.
3: To go to Long Beach next one?
7: Well, New Orleans is up next on the oh, 12th, New Orleans, and then after yeah. that is Sorry. Long Beach. Um, Something so, else yeah.
4: happening in Long Beach this weekend, though, isn't there, Marshall? Are you going to that?
7: No, I won't. This, uh, this is my last era, weekend off until I get back from Le Mans, so... As much as I actually would like to go see the Formula E cars run in person, uh, a, a weekend home with my beautiful wife, knowing the next couple months are gone playing race car, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to turn that turn that away.
3: Okay, mate, we're going to let you get away, uh, let you finish off uh, that piece on racer.com. It'll be worth reading. Uh, we know that. Uh, thanks for getting us up to date with that, Marshall Pro of Racer.com. We'll speak to him next week. Thanks, MP. Thanks, Andy great stuff again from the left course couple of reader things coming in uh, reader points coming in tonight uh, motorcycles Andrew Muggeridge says the last reverse direction bike race at Brands was the when do you think what year do you think it was have you looked no you haven't what year do you think the last re- reverse direction race was Nick at Brands 81 oh hang on let me turn you up say that again 1975 you're one year out it was 1976 and it was won by Ron Haslam Barry Sheen, Barry Sheen on the oh. 500 Suzuki. Very good though, very good. They had a GP bike going the wrong way around. Yeah. Suzuki 500, it was the Hutchinson 100 won by Barry Sheen, 1976. Replacement riders uh, for uh, Honda. A um, couple of people mentioning uh, this, uh, mainly uh, James Foster, who seems to be uh, very well up uh, on his, uh, his bike bits and pieces. And, um, and uh, mentioning uh, one or two points uh, about this including uh, let me see if I can find where it's gone no that's not no. there i'm not having any look with uh, my technology, technology tonight okay. am I? uh let's go back to here uh us see if I can mention find that name uh, japanese rider nick
1: yeah they got test japanese, they have a couple of test japanese rider
3: yeah yes I says d-
1: it's hammer something isn't it or
3: yes yeah. says why wouldn't uh, why
1: wouldn't it be them knows the bike etc etc two seconds off the pace is the main reason oh really well that's why we I mean, may be testing different things but obviously their first choice would be case of stone I think it could be a very difficult bit of negotiation to get that through and then they have to decide do they promote one of the satellite bike riders to a full works bike uh,
3: which so has
1: more complication to it because of the sponsorship agreements those satellite bike riders were signed up
3: uh, I right yes exactly uh, all good stuff alright Uh, Tim Gray's got a couple oh before we go any further no. I must remind me, everybody that this the Spotter Guides on really Andy Blackmore's guides for WEC and ELMS are out on his website spotterguides.com Andy Blackmore doing his usual brilliant stuff supported again by us here at Radio Show Limited and uh, Nismo uh, as well and uh, essential for those of you following uh, proceedings at uh, Silverstone uh, next weekend which you'll be able to hear live here on RadioLemon.com of course and Tim's got a couple of other stories for us
4: uh, you mentioned uh, something that happened hello to Hello. sorry go ahead you mentioned something that happened in Kent in the 1970s just now yeah. yes uh, are you going to mention something else that happened in Kent in the 1970s uh, next
1: I went to school in Kent in the 1970s did Nick, you really Nick, yeah.
4: did You did go to school in Kent in the 1970s Uh the right honourable Robert Ben lobben Wallace, uh, MP, uh, Conservative, <laughs> uh, was born. Really, Conservative. Conservative.
3: Yes. Hero Ayama, by the way, was the name that Alan Prosser. Oh, Ayama, was. yeah, yeah. Hero Ayama. Sorry, uh, he was born
4: Conservative, yes. Um, and why is he significant
3: this week?
1: Did he get? Is he the one who's pushed through the open the closed roads?
3: He mistake? is indeed. The panacea for everything that's a problem with British motorsport, apparently, is this yes, legislation. Yes,
1: yeah, it's yes. yes, We have the Berlin Symphony back next Tuesday.
3: Last, uh, last
4: Thursday, the deregulation bill achieved royal assent. Did it, really? Oh, uh, it contains a framework for running motorsports on closed public roads without needing a costly Act of Parliament to suspend the Road Traffic Act for each event.
1: Terrific. And what's the first thing that's going to use it?
4: well before the primary legislation can become available to event organizers secondary legislation in the form of a statutory instrument detailing the enabling powers is required this is unlikely to happen before the general
3: election, general election. in 5
1: weeks time and well, nothing can happen because the parliament's dissolved now
3: correct yes. it can't happen now there are we do not have any MPs they are all candidates uh, and if there's a change of government and uh, which there may or may not be or if the, Something will change because it won't be the same combination of parties. If the, if the Greens or the Liberal Democrats hold the balance of power, then it's likely to get shelved.
4: No, it'll it'll go through anyway.
3: Okay, we'll see. It's still, I mean, frankly, it's still not the panacea that everybody thinks it is. Um, in terms of of running events, it doesn't make it any cheaper to run uh, events on. Public roads because you it just makes
4: it to easier to do going to see your logistics. Yeah,
1: the London Grand Prix will be happening in three years' time. Uh, Birmingham Supery this August. Uh, it's all going to happen.
3: Yes, he There's says. The Grand he's... Prix of
1: Milton Keynes. I'm running that.
3: Are you? The... Yep. <laughs>
1: Me and Christian Horner. It's one they can win.
3: The uh, the Red Bull Grand Prix <laughs> of yeah. Milton Keynes.
1: That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. stop to that roundabout, then to the other roundabout, Round the, the, other roundabout the other roundabout, then the other roundabout, then the other roundabout, and the roundabout, and you've got half a mile.
4: Yeah. I mm-hmm. I I'd, I'd, I'd want to start on uh, the right-hand side of the grid because you'd always have the right of way at all these roundabouts That's yeah, very, that's very, true, very yeah. good
3: point. <laughs> very good. No no that's that would be changed because the road traffic act would be suspended. So you you mm. know not necessarily. So mm, you know.
4: But it's whoever the sleeping dr- policeman there whoever's who driving wouldn't know necessarily remember that. Uh the press release that tells us this was accompanied by a photo of what? Uh
1: the on rural bin what his name is.
3: Alama
4: it's a motorsport event.
1: Was uh, it the Berlin Super Prix?
4: No. Oh. Uh
1: Racing Racing at Crystal Palace? No. F1 Grand Prix? No. Oh.
4: Uh, Brighton Speed Trials? No. You're uh, getting E-Gran. closer.
1: Formula E Grand Prix? No. Um a hill climb.
4: The hill climb. Mm. In Jersey. Ah.
1: Oh. Oh. Okay. Oh, I've miss been invited you missed a chance To play a Bergerac music then yeah. I
4: did didn't I We <laughs> yeah. really don't I have time Because I've got Another
1: story
3: to uh... I've been invited To do a hill climb At Gerson I'm looking forward to it Ooh. Yeah. Thank what you, you... Uh, Whatever I can get I can't yeah, hopefully hmm? Hello Janetta
4: Where are you going to find Five Formula 1 teams Yes Valentino Rossi Yes Richard the King Petty Yes and Derek Bell Casey yeah. Stoner Kenny yeah. Roberts, Master yeah. Ford Bentley, uh, and uh, lots more.
1: At the biggest, com- at the biggest commercial uh, event masquerading as a hill club in Britain.
4: Correct. It's
1: isn't it a county show? No, it's, no, the, it's that's a it's the festival concrete. of marketing. Sorry, the festival of speed.
3: It's the hill climb, or the partial hill climb, or not really the hill climb.
1: It's a chance for. It's basically it's replaced the British Motor Show. But it hasn't. Have you been recently? I've never it's been. It's awful. I've never been. Oh, I don't it's want awful. to go. I've no desire to ever go, and unless someone pays me, I won't go.
3: Uh, I went in the early years and really enjoyed it. I went back a couple of years ago. It was horrid. One thing that uh,
4: will be unique is uh, a Fiat S76. Right? What is the An Fiat F76? S. Sorry, Fiat
1: S70. S76
4: uh, hasn't run in public. Like most Fiats. <laughs> Since nineteen. I've got a fiat actually. You have got a fiat. It's perfect. perfect. Never, fourteen. Not, never
1: yes. Since when?
4: Nineteen
1: fourteen. Oh is it one of those big like thirty six litre jobs?
4: It's a twenty eight litre job, yeah.
1: Oh I love those. Running in the voiturette category. It's, oh, it's, this, it's this, this
4: Running is this in, in a... the Edwardian Leviathan I, category. Is this
1: the start one where they did a? v they've done a video recently they fired it up for the first time? Yeah.
3: It's brilliant.
4: That's a
1: fabulous piece of kit. Big chain drive rear axle. It's it's how many litres did you say it was? 28. 28. Yeah, it's but it basically air engine. It's it?
3: four cylinders though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Two.
1: <laughs> it's just a big Ducati.
3: Oh, it's fantastic.
1: Uh that is the Festival of Speed, of course. Well, if you uh, like it fine, it's just not for me. i I I'm a bit negative there, but it's just not for me. Oh, no, well, it, I, I'm sorry, but I... It, I, know Bruce, a, I, know, I know Bruce loves it, and he does the P. Well, but it's
3: fine. Yeah. Bruce stands at the top and talks to nice people. He doesn't have to schlep around with all the kiddies pushing ice cream into your back and all of that kind I've of thing. I've found and in the past horrid...
4: that, uh, ice cream is very hard to come by there.
3: Uh, it wasn't the around was <laughs> there. It was everywhere and on everything, and lots of people with sticky fingers climbing into cars and touching stuff and just, oh, it was horrid. It was
1: absolutely and every Porrid. single British, manufa- British import manufacturer will be down there with a stand
4: Not as hot as uh, ice cream uh, at Rockingham on a Saturday Which apparently is not available at all It's not allowed mate,
3: it's against no. local uh, local bylaws
4: I think there go. That's um, all we've got time for
3: uh, Because coming up next is the Audi Meet the Team feature uh, Don't forget to uh, check out Twitter for another IHG Racing BMW
1: North America video yes. so Say whatever you like Nick Cool. i like to say, don't forget, we've got four days of live racing action from the shed in Telford, from Sundays and Monday, final is on the afternoon, a very exciting off-road RC car racing. Well, if it's Friday,
3: presumably it's Friday at the moment. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, yeah. Yes. W-
1: that's w- that's w- not r- what r- I was racing. expecting to say. Oh, that's all right. I <laughs> threw an advert in. It's fine. What were you we expecting to say? I
4: kids? was expecting you... Well, actually, I wasn't, because I know that you talk quickly, but could you say
1: that at a speed that people could actually... TV. I'll stick it on the Facebook collective, you won't miss it
3: and news just coming in that Olivier Platt is on probation for his driving actions at Sabring, more news on that uh, IMSA putting Olivier Platt on probation for his actions at Sabring actually, if I read that correctly we'll have more about that, remind me what he you. did well, do you want me to, I, I will look at it now because I'm a bit confused about that myself Uh, but that is news that is literally breaking as we come to the end of the show this evening Um, and the story doesn't want to load so I'm sorry I can't give you any more details on that at the moment, my apologies we'll get a bit more on that for you and talk about that next week with Marshall Pruitt and uh, don't forget to stay online for Audi and keep an eye on the... uh, On the Twitter for another competition alongside our BMW video of me on Track at Sabring. My thanks to all of our guests tonight and particularly to Tim Gray who worked very hard up in London to make all those bits and pieces work for us. Uh, The responsible adult was Eve Hewitt. And there's no time to explain the Llama is auditioning for a Honda
0: ride.